Guys, we are back. Denny Duma podcast after a, Carl, what is it? Four month hiatus? It was a little mental break for both Carl and I. We're back. And fitting that we have one of our favorite guests back of all time, Dr. Nafsodi, the best optometrist in BC. Super fun conversation, guys. It goes from eyes to food preferences in Greater Vancouver, best pizza places. <laughs> You're going to want to check this out. To like big business ideas and how we want to grow our individual businesses. Super fun. Check it out. We love you guys. Later. Rocking, Carl. We're back. This feels weird, Denny. It's, no, it doesn't. It feels like <laughs> every other fucking podcast. No, I'm just kidding. It does not feel like every other podcast because my best friend in the entire world is here. <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> Me? <laughs> now we were talking about pizza. Yes, I love pizza. Top five in Vancouver. Okay, they don't have to be in order because ordering for me, picking between like number three, four, five, six. Are very difficult. Yeah. Unless you have them side by side and, you, and I've never done Even that. number one, that's a, like to be number one, that's a bold statement. It's bold. Uh, so I, I like to bold. rank all restaurants, but I give them like a number, like a, a vague number between one and three and four and five. Um, and name a cuisine, I have like a top three. Uh, I'm actually going to start a blog soon, so watch out for that. But Fuck yeah. What is it going to be called? Oh, it's just, I don't know. It's not even like words. It'll be just Nav's rankings of like Thai food restaurants, Nav's Greek eats. restaurants. Nav eats. <gasps> Never eats. Sorry, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he eats them, no, never eats. Uh, yeah, so so I think so for pizza, Barbarella's up there, uh, Frina's up there, uh, Via Tavera is definitely up there. Then there's a Don't Argue, which I think closed down, which was up there. I never got to go to that place, and I heard yeah. it was good. Very good pizza. Okay, and then even like Cotto. Have you been to Cotto in Burnaby? Yeah, it's, it's, it's not my favorite in Burnaby. What's your favorite bird to be? Pasta more. Never been there. On Willingdon, right here. Oh, like on uh, the Dawson. pizza is very good there. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, it's uh, simple ingredients. Like the uh, toppings are very simple. Like it's like prosciutto and, and mushrooms, or yeah. like Italian sausage and mushrooms. Like yeah. it's not like a meat lover's pizza from Pizza Hut or Domino's or something. Uh, I don't shit. care for that, to be no. honest. I will, I, a crust is it's all about crust for me. Yeah. Good crust is all I need. Do you like a floppy crust? No. Well, because you like Neapolitana. Yeah, right? that, that's my favorite type of crust. Yeah, and then I, like, I don't want, I want, a, I don't want it to be too floppy. I don't want soggy because that's when they fucked up. Yeah. I think Barbarella does a very good crust. Uh, and like theirs is just floppy enough. <laughs> don't want it to be too hard. <laughs> don't want it to be floppy. You know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, also, uh, Corduroy's is really good too. Where is that? Uh, it's on like Granville. No, it's on um, it's in Vancouver. It's like I think Granville and uh, Second are right by the bridge. Actually, no, sorry, can be, can be in uh, Corduroy. Yeah, I need to Corduroy check that pie, place out. Michael, very good. And then for like fast food chains, Papa John's. Believe it or not, interesting. Uh, there's one underneath that work, and like you know, Domino's is good, Panago's good, but Papa John's better, better pizza, uh, better, better toppings, better pizza. Better ingredients. Yeah, that's what I meant. (laughs) (laughs)
I don't, I don't work for them. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever had a Papa John's pizza. Really? You, Carl, you neither. Never. No? So no. next time you come to my Never. work at Lynn Valley Optometry. Uh, Is there a Papa John's in there? There's one right below us. Okay. And they do calzones too. Oh, deadly. But yeah. Dude, there's, there's as cheese. soon as you said calzone, all that went through my head was that Seinfeld episode. <laughs> where Kramer has to go get the calzones because George get, gets uh, kicked out of the place or something. Yeah. There's not enough calzone places here. Like when I lived in the States, there's so many like calzone places with good crusts and like it was like a, its own food group. Here it's like a add on to a random place. Totally. There's no good calzone places. Idea. <laughs> Anything on commercial that you like? Uh, so Marcello's used to, I think Marcello's used to be really good a couple of years ago. It used to be. What happened? I don't know. Because I used to go there once a month. Yeah. Because the pizza was unreal. Super good. The last time I went there, I hadn't been there in like a year, and I went there maybe two or three months ago, and it was very different. It's yeah, it's very different, and like it's good, but it's not great. It used to be like what we were talking about. Top three, not fl- like not floppy, not firm, <laughs> yeah. right in the middle. The, per- the perfect little amount there. <laughs> and this time, I think they changed the dough recipe too because yeah. the dough is the crust was different, and it was much more like greasy. <clears throat> And floppy. Yeah. Me and Aaron went to a place uh, is right across the street from Marcello's. I forgot the name of, it, name of it, but it starts with an F. Pretty good. And their happy hour is awesome. Uh, it's uh, right across the street. I can't remember the name of it, but it was very good. Very good. Like, Famosa. Famosa, yes. I'd rank them between 7 and 10. Famosa would be 7? Seven? 7 to 10, roughly. 7 to 10 out of 10? Out of the top. Oh shit! Sorry, 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 sorry. I thought you were ranking ranking out of ten. Sorry, I'm on a ranking scale between numbers seven and ten. I get it. Yeah, I've Uh, never had. um, What's the one in Victoria? Everyone loves Victoria. Yeah. Oh, dude. I've tried to go there three or four times, and every time there's a lineup, which obviously is a good sign. But I'm not interested in waiting an hour for pizza. (laughs) It's it's arguably two, three for well, like two, three for me. What would be number one? I don't know, like Barbarella probably, but Barbarella just because, uh, like they really—they're more unique in their toppings and the crust and the crust <laughs> and their uh, the, the the wine, which is amazing, and yeah. the Balboa, which is just spicy. So, like like spicy, spicy. So it's good. You obviously are somewhat biased towards your. What did you say? Your grandma's cooking, or your mom? Moms. Your moms. Moms and dads. Different styles. Different food. If we're talking about commercial establishments, Indian restaurants throughout uh, Greater Vancouver. Let me go my ranking scale again. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> now one and two. Because I love Indian food a lot. Yeah. And around me, the one that I order from the most is the one on King's Bombay Way. Saffron. saffron. Yeah, Saffron. Yeah. I think it's pretty good, but you told me it's not that good. Well, so... <laughs> It's good, but then with Indian food, I, like I've had a lot in my life, and I've had food, Indian food here, Indian food in India, and uh, my parents cooking. Like, I'm, I'm a, I know Indian food well. Fair. <laughs> and Fair. I think the top three, not in any particular order, well, top two, uh, are Tasty Indian Bistro. Really? Because I always thought that was like a prestigious Cactus Club version of Indian so, food. Like they have. 
like they're very expensive, but the food is actually very, very good. Like my okay. parents go there because the food is good. And okay. my parents don't like spending money on Indian food because they're like, you know, we can make it at home. Why spend money? So Fair. Like, Fair. You know, they don't like to spend money on Indian food. So they like to go there. And that's the only Indian restaurant they go to besides um, the original Tandori King, which is the one Kingsway, on- Kingsway 59th. Uh, Main and 53rd, or 55th, 57th. I thought Main, there was one on Fraser. It used to be on Fraser and 67th. Oh, and then they built a new location on Main and 57th. I've eaten there once. Really? Uh, yeah, the Fraser one. That was like maybe so seven years ago. There's Yeah, there's two though. There's the, this is really interesting. So there's a Tandoori King and then the original Tandoori King. And they're actually right across the street from each other. Because <laughs> the owners split up and then the chef kept one, which is the original. And then Did the, they change their name to the original Tender? They were King? always oh, may, I don't know. I have no idea actually. <laughs> but there's the original Tender King, which is like where sh- the chef is Sharonjeet. He's awesome, where he owns. And then there's like the his business partner started his own, but didn't have the chef, so it was crap. So people mm. often go there because it was it was the new location like ten years ago. And then Sharonjeet opened his up like five years ago on Main Street. Now, the original Tender mm. King. If he's there, it is the best Indian food ever. He's not there a lot because his catering business is probably 90% of business now, but it's really good. One time, one day when I get married, you'll, you'll experience it. He'll be there. Oh, he'll be there. What's his name? Sharon Jeet. Sharon Jeet. I want to meet him. He did my sister's like two of my sister's events and he does probably every other like, well, not every other, but he does a lot of good Indian. What's uh, his like go to dish? What's his like signature? So, I know my favorites with him, like, so butter chicken is still, every Indian person loves butter chicken. It's not an Indian dish. It's like, it's like an English dish. Is well, it? Yeah. So butter chicken is like, is made by the British huh. and it's kind of like, um, like orange chicken where it's like not a Chinese dish, but it's, uh, made by other people, but it is made in England as like a dish and we love it though. I love it. <laughs> it's delicious. It's creamy. It's fatty. It's it's full of like everything you shouldn't eat, but it's so good. The but, flavors is just unreal. Yeah, and like like, like chicken I can just tikka, drink the sauce. Yeah, chicken tikka masala is like what is based on. That's just like yeah. more tomato based, less cream. And then um, lamb korma is amazing. That's probably my favorite dish there, and in most restaurants, but it's my favorite dish. And then um, like palak paneer is really delicious as well, and. Like even Rogan Josh or Mindaloo's are really good too. What's his thing? If 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 someone listening to this podcast is like, I'm <clears> craving <throat> Indian food, I'm going to the original <clears throat> Tandoori King. Yep. What are, what should they order? This is exactly what I would order. Okay. Do they like tandoori chicken? Does is he? Oh yeah, so good, <laughs> dude. It's unreal. So it's this so is good. what I would order if I went there. So when we all go there, we're gonna order a uh, sea kebab. We're gonna order a. Uh, chicken, chicken, uh, sh- uh, sorry, ch- uh, tandoori chicken kebab. Then we're gonna order a, a paneer pakora, which is probably the best. What thing. is that? It's I don't uh, know if I had that paneer, paneer, which is like the tofu, like it's like cheese. Okay. And then a pakora means like deep fried, so it's like a deep fried cheese stick, but way better. <laughs> How do you go wrong with that? And uh, that's probably my favorite, <laughs> my favorite thing they make there. Like as a child, I went there like once a month and I loved it. Or those three as appetizers. Then I would go to the. Butter chicken, I would do the uh, lamb korma, I would do the palak paneer, and then I would probably do like the dal makini. Like dal makini means like dal is lentils and makini means butter. Those are lentils and butter. So good. When you so when you go to an Indian restaurant, obviously you can pronounce all the words on the menu, which is Not an well. advantage. <laughs> well, it sounds like 
much better than me. When you go to other restaurants, <laughs> for example, I went to a German restaurant <laughs> with our real estate team <laughs> for like a Christmas dinner, I yeah. think uh, last year, maybe two years ago. <laughs> and you look at these words, they're not like they're clearly not English. There's a bunch of letters together that I've never seen Schnitzel. before. <laughs> ever. Do you, are you the guy that points or are you the guy that like, Attempts to pronounce. Huh. Um, I attempt to pronounce it and point. I'm like, I'll have the, sh- well, sniffle is easy, but like, yeah. I'll have the Bogenheiser <laughs> And then, uh, you know, it's a question. <laughs> Hoping they'll say, yes, you can have that. There's one at, uh, I go to lunch in New Aspire office at uh, Freshie. Ah, Freshie's great. Often. Yeah. And there's a bowl or a wrap, you can get whatever you want. And it's called Awaka. But it's O A X. Yeah. And so the first time I walked in there, I was like, oh, Awaxata? <laughs> oh, that's embarrassing. Well, I just like, I'm <laughs> like, I'm sorry. How do you pronounce that? And the woman told me, I'm like, okay, now I know. Awaka, right? Yeah. I think it's a city in central Mexico or near Mexico City. Okay. Well, where there's pyramids, actually. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I'm the guy that always tries. Yeah. Italian restaurant, Indian restaurant, like whatever. It's so funny, man. There's a lot of the words people, I can't say. <laughs> when whenever you order like on or over the phone, when you call into an Indian restaurant or whatever for me, I always like try to say the words, but I say them really fast. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get one uh, like the words that I can pronounce, like chicken. <laughs> I'll say really clearly. <laughs> and then the rest, I'll speed up. I'll be like, yeah, we'll get one uh, chicken tikka masala. <laughs> like what? Tikka, yeah, whatever. Like, yeah. I probably say it somewhat incorrect. No, that's, but. that's pretty good, actually. I'm impressed <laughs> with that one. I was, I was trying to explain to my two Australian coworkers how to say uh, Rogan Josh, which is like a, a lamb dish. Delicious. But, uh, like because they have accents, they just couldn't say Josh, and it was very entertaining to watch <laughs> him say like Jewish. I'm like, nope, just, just let's just stop here. <laughs> just they'll they'll know what you mean. Yeah, I, I was really happy about uh, like online ordering because it just saves the whole awkward like, can I get the hundred um, percent? I don't know, like uh, General Tao's chicken. Like that's easy to say now, but like I should say General Tao's chicken and stuff like that. A lot of those restaurants, when you call them, they're very busy. Mm-hmm. Like they're busy for a reason. Their food is delicious. Yep. That's why you call them. But when you call them, it's loud in there. Yeah. And they can't hear a damn word you're saying. Yeah. So they're like, they're yelling at you and you're yelling back. <laughs> I'm sitting in a quiet apartment. I put my TV on mute and I'm like yelling, one chicken. <laughs> Take him out. And they're like, I can't, I, sorry, I, I cannot hear what you're saying. We're gonna, it's like, oh man, it's such a joke for me. I just laugh so much, but yeah. It is what it is. It is what it is, right? Skip the dishes. Thank you for inventing the online service. But I don't like that they take a big chunk of the small restaurants. I feel like we were just talking about this last week, and it sucks because it takes such a percentage. It's it's such an easy... Why can't... I think a lot of restaurants don't have online ordering. The Chinese restaurant below me, actually, which has phenomenal noodles. They're... uh, What's it called? I don't know. Their noodles are ridiculous. They're like homemade. They you like go in there to pick up your stuff, and people in like are oh, making ha- their hand stretched noodles. They're all handmade noodles. Nice. It's super good. 
But they have an online ordering platform on their website, which is awesome because then you skip the middleman of skip the dishes or whatever. But most of those like little one-off restaurants maybe can't afford to, I don't know what it would cost to put that on your website, 10 grand maybe, I don't know. Yeah. A lot. About 10 grand. But then to keep it maintained and things like that, yeah. But I think it's like, I like, I prefer to order directly from the website just because I know all the money is going to them. And like, I don't mind picking it up. I just don't want to call them. Totally. Like, Calling you know, is so awkward. At this age, at this age we awkward. hate calling people. Yeah. Like, really, well, I get it. You know, for sure. If I could text them my order, like Domino's did this like years ago in the States where you could text them, text them your pizza order. That's super interesting. And they would text you back. And I was like, that is amazing. I don't want to talk to people. Especially if you live on a weird street name. Yeah. Like Buchanan. Oh. Is a difficult one for Bucking a lot of in. like on the phone. It's difficult to understand. Yeah, I say Buchanan. They're like, you're gonna have to spell that. So I'm like spelling the street B U C, and then they're like, sorry, did you say D or B? Like, oh fuck. C for Charlie. <laughs> but if you can text or just order online, I love it. It, it makes life easier. And a lot of times, I uh, what I've also noticed this is a fun fact. So Uber charges a 10 percent service fee, but Skip the Dishes doesn't. I don't know if they're taking more off the back end, but it's actually cheaper to order from Skip of Dishes. So they so they realized recently. I rarely, I think I've used Uber Eats once or twice in my life. Yeah. But I, if I'm ordering from a place that doesn't have delivery, it'll be Skip the Dishes. One, one nice thing Uber Eats does is uh, they constantly give me 30% off coupons mm-hmm. if I order 50 bucks. Mm-hmm. From Uber? From Uber Eats. Uh. And then I realized uh, if I pick it up, I still get thirty percent off, and I save every single fee. So it it's like the nice. It, it's just food I'm, ready, I'm gonna pick up anyway. I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's just get extra. And Where's the thirty percent coming from, though? Is so, it coming from the restaurant? No, it's not. It's, it's Uber. Uber. It's Uber. So like everyone mm-hmm. wins except for Uber, but they're already winning. So they have good. these promotions all the time too. Yeah. I get them all the time. Huh. Every weekend, huh. Uber has to give me fifty percent off uh, Ubers every wow. single weekend. So I'm like, well. This is one, it's good. I'm not driving. Two, 15? 50. 50. 50%. So, jeez. Like last week, I was going to drive, uh, you know, I was going to go across the street. Well, not across the street, but like, <laughs> I was going to go across downtown. And I was like, okay, like if I have to pay for parking, it's going to be like seven bucks for an hour or so. And then uh, it was only $9 for the Uber or four fifty, 50% off. I was like, well, no brainer. I'm just going to take an Uber there. <laughs> I'm lazy. One of my biggest pet peeves in in life is paying for parking. Yeah, I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. And the places that you have to pay for parking are universities, hospitals, just like the places should be absolutely free. Hospitals have changed their system. <laughs> Thank you, because they used to pay like you used, used to pay like twelve dollars an hour. I feel like I'm trying to visit my loved one, this and that. So there was this recent thing where uh, they actually decreased all their rates like, significantly. So it's. It's nicer there, but yes, everywhere else you have to pay and it sucks. And downtown, like, I was supposed to go vote. Coal Harbor is hilarious. Coal Harbor is terrible. Coal Harbor is like $4 for 15 minutes. Yeah. Oh my God. But I was going to go. Ridic- was the gonna meters go, are ridiculous there. I was going to go vote at BC, and my voting center was BC Place. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, cool. BC Place is my voting center. I circled around four times. There's no parking. Yeah. I thought they have like, like voters park here. So I had to pay like $3 to park for 15 minutes to go vote. <laughs> And I was like, you know, like, you know, they should be like giving me something to vote. In in Australia, they give democracy sausages. When you go vote, they give you a sausage. They Dude, need to give me that. That is unbelievable. <laughs> as soon as you said that, 
in my head, I think we used to have family barbecues in my uncle's uh, backyard. He lives like um, like west side of Vancouver and has a big lot. So we had, my dad is one of 11. You know that? Yeah, I do that. <laughs> and I have uh, 54 first cousins on that side. That's crazy. Yeah, so we used to have like <laughs> once or twice a year, we used to have like a family party with, that had like 140 people. It was stupid. <laughs> In his backyard, and all he did was make sausages for like six hours. Amazing. He was just making sausages. Hey, you want a sausage? You want a sausage? Dude, I would vote three times yeah. every time if they gave me a sausage when I walked in the door. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, right? Dude, yeah. absolutely. I, I wonder what the trail would be like if you just gave everyone like a, a Tim Horns donut. Like, give them something, right? <laughs> it doesn't cost much. We get more turnout. Tim Horns donut, like, it would be the most Canadian thing possible. Here's like a little. Think of maple syrup. I think it's a great way to get people to vote. <laughs> and it works for Australia. Well, I think for them it's mandatory to vote. And if you don't vote, you can't like get fined for it. Really? But democracy sausages are a real thing. You get fined. Yeah, hmm. what the heck? Yeah, you gotta vote, right? That's crazy. But also I think uh, the I was talking to my Australian coworker about this, and I think the problem is you get a lot of people voting that have no idea what's happening. And like you might pick the funniest name or like you might just throw away votes, which is, uh, I think, kind of almost um, devaluing votes because there's right. people that actually know what's happening and right. care. And those ones that actually want to vote and like people who vote tend to know what's happening. If you have no idea what's happening, you just don't vote. And there you have all these uh, people that have no idea what's happening in voting. So that might like just skew the results in a different way. Hmm. So if you don't provide a reason why you didn't vote or whatever, the first time offense is twenty bucks. Yeah. And the second offense is fifty. Okay, it's not that's a, a small fine, but still. <laughs> twenty bucks. But I mean it gets people to vote, right? In Otherwise Vancouver, it costs more to drive there with your gas and park than twenty bucks. Yeah, it cost me three dollars. <laughs> Jesus. Plus your gas. Yeah. I could have walked actually. It, was, it would have been nine minutes, but you know, it was rainy that day and I was like, guys, I'm not gonna walk to vote. <laughs> Are you that close to BC Vice? Yeah, know. it's really bad. <laughs> mine was, mine was uh, like three parking lots over. Ooh, three parking lots, oh. and I still drove. <laughs> yeah, I wish I was a more active person, but you know, it was at night. It, it I was went seven p.m. It was dark. <laughs> the, I guess everyone has different like caution levels of COVID, but like I walked in there and there's arrows on the floor, and I'm the. I think there's one or two other people in there at the time. I went there at like 7.30 and the voting thing closed at 8. So it was like right at the end. People didn't want to be there. and All the volunteers didn't want to be there anymore. They get paid a lot. Okay, so all yeah. the people that get paid didn't want to be there anymore. Yeah. Even like the person that I went up to and I'm like, hey, here's my voter card. Where am I supposed to go? They're like, go to section 51 or whatever. And I walk over to 51 and the girl just looks like she's asleep. She's like... <laughs> They I'm do like, twelve hour days, eight days, oh, like seven to eight, roughly. Then if you count, not after. taking anything away yeah. from how hard they're working, I'm just saying she was exhausted. Yeah, <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> and I just walk up to always try to break the tension with a joke, right? So I'm like, almost done. I know. Like, mm. sorry, I showed up so late. And she starts laughing. I vote, do whatever I, and I w- walk towards the exit door. And someone from the back yells, is yelling. I, again, there's like maybe two voters there, me and one or one or one or two other people. Like, sir, sir. I'm like, 
looking around, frightened. She's like, you need to go that way. I'm like, there's no one here. Who cares? Like, does it matter? There's an exit door, four steps in front of me. Just let me go out. No, that way. Okay. <laughs> like, is that necessary? No. No. Like, right by the exit door. I actually worked one of the elections uh, maybe like six or seven years ago because they, they actually pay you and like yeah they, they pay you for the training which is like 30, 30 bucks an hour and you get two or three hours of training can't remember the exact amount maybe it's twenty five bucks an hour and then to work the entire day it was either don't quote me on this from like seven a.m. to seven p.m. yeah or sorry seven a.m. to like nine p.m. it was roughly either four fifty or six fifty for the entire day. As a student, I was like, that's a lot of money that's for one sweet. day. And if you, if you can get into advanced polling, that's like a shit ton of money. Really? Uh, and everyone there gets paid and like there's supervisors, there's like the door people, there's the, the, the poll takers and everyone gets paid for it. And it's a lot. And they pay a lot. I remember like as a student, it was very nice working there because I like, I made more there than I made at my, my average job at GNC. Like probably double. So I was like, this is not too shabby. I think it was like 400 bucks we made that day. Thurman did this here. He volunteered and he helped yeah. out? No, he, he got paid. He got paid. <laughs> oh, yeah. Why do they call him volunteers then? <laughs> He's employed. I don't know. Probably just social perception. Does he have any funny stories? or? Yeah, he does. I don't know if I should share them, though. <laughs> 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 he said he basically did nothing for 12 hours. <laughs> Especially the polling station you're at. Like, where I went to BC Place and that did all of downtown. And uh, BC Place is huge. Mm -hmm. So it wrapped around half of the stadium. And there's, I think there was like something 60 or 70 different booths there. And I asked the girl, like, so I'm like, I'm like how busy has it been? She's like, oh, you're the first person in 40 minutes. I'm like, that's not bad on, on election day, not an advanced polling. It's like, that's not bad. She's like, yeah, my list is only about 300 people. And how many of those will actually show up? <laughs> Her booth was only three hundred people. I don't know if that's how many that came or how many that uh, oh. were read, like were on the list, but Thurman, yeah. <laughs> he did it for like a week or two weeks in the advance polling, maybe a week. Yeah, and he said like <laughs> his job was basically as people were walking in, he was told that his job was to say, "Please have your idea." <laughs> And there was four of him. Really? Yeah. Just standing there telling people to have their idea. Please have your idea. Thank you, BC government, for calling this ma'am. Please have your idea. election. I couldn't have a sign or anything. That's it. And the, I, he was advanced polling, so he's yeah. like, there would be an hour in between like people showing up during the day mm -hmm. on like a Tuesday. Yeah, because they're all from like eight ten to twelve p.m. or ten to whatever noon. Yeah. There wouldn't be very many people coming. <laughs> anyway. Nav, you're a celebrity. I'm a celebrity? Yeah. Weren't you on global TV? I, I was on global news. How did that happen? So, and uh, what did you talk about? So, yeah, how it happened was uh, we have, we have a, a really good marketing PR person, and uh, she, works, she works for us as well as uh, Vancouver Symphony Orchestra, mm -hmm. and she's been fantastic. She's, uh, this is, like, she, she's asked me multiple times to go on TV or go on radio, and... Uh, I was supposed to go on last year, but they had like a family emergency, so I couldn't go on. And then I was supposed to go on TV twice, and then I kind of just turned it down each time because I was actually very afraid of going on TV because, like, one, it's live, two, like, what if I'm sweating a lot? What if I'm red? <laughs> like, it's live TV. I can't control myself, right? What if I swear? And then eventually I was like, you know what? Now I'd be like, <laughs> what if I swear? 
Uh, that's my biggest fear. Like, you know, Natalie, you have to do this once. Like, you won't know until, like, this is my mentality in general. Like, you won't know if you're good at anything or if you can do anything until you do it. Mm. Like, let's say I, like, froze up or swore. I'd be like, okay, it's not for me. Let's say I nailed it. I'm like, okay, I can probably do more of these. And, uh, yeah, so she set it up and she's like, we, we actually prepared. So I was on Global TV News and we were talking about uh, October was uh, Ch- Children's Health Month or Children's uh, Vision Month, sorry. Mm-hmm. And we talked about children's vision for a four minute segment live at 8.20 in the morning on a Sunday, Thanksgiving Sunday or 8.40 on Thanksgiving Sunday. And I was like, okay, we're going to talk live on TV. And I asked the people 10 times, like, this is live. And like, they didn't give us a lot of questions or general direction of what they're going to ask. Like, okay, it's about children's health. I'm like, it's a lot of things you can ask. (laughs) (laughs) And like, part of me was a little worried. I'm like, what if I don't have an answer? What if like I don't have anything? And then we we're running through like practice the night before, and I just with who? I uh, was with Sarah. She's our marketing person. Okay, and I'm running through practice, and she she was really good. She's like sat me for two hours on on Zoom. She's like, let's look at your lighting levels. Let's look at what you're wearing. Let's look at everything else. And I'm like, okay, like let's just test runs here. And then I do a test run, and I just like, and I'm like this 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 brain fart. I'm like. And I have no idea what I'm saying next. And I'm like, this is not going to go well. Or like, I swear, like, it's just like stupid. I guess because I know her, I was like a little more casual. But I was like freaking out. I'm like, I'm going to f-, uh, f this up really, really bad. And then at one point, I'm like, I called my sister. I'm like, hey, can we do a test run? And I tried to, t- I tried to do a test run with my sister. I can't even form sentences at this point because I'm so tired. And she's like, you know, you'll be fine. Just get some good sleep. And I called my friend Pavin. And Pavin is... um. He's done like every TV show possible. He's kind of a go-to person for every every news station. He's an optometrist as well, and uh, like he was like, he's like the go-to person for optometry, I'd say. And uh, I'm like, hey, do you like what I do? He's like, oh, like just act natural, or casual. He just starts talking to me about various things. He's like, see what you did there? Like you just talked naturally. And I was like, okay. And he's like, that's what you have to do. And he's like, and don't worry about it. It's only twenty thousand people. I'm like. Fuck you. <laughs> Seriously, 20,000 people. And then I wake up in the morning, go on live television. And it was uh, it was actually really easy because it was just everything I ever talked about in my exam room with a stranger. Totally. And it was probably the best thing I've ever done. Like, like my best work they've ever done because it, it, like I did very well on it. I thought, like I've had patients come in because they're like, oh, you did a great job on it. We want to see you specifically. People came from Vancouver. And it was nice because like it showed me one that I can talk on TV and two, I don't have to be scared of it or afraid of it. And I'm like, this is dope. Have you ever like analyzed yourself what the fear is? Like so, what is the cause of the fear? Yeah. And uh, this is one thing I got into like two or three years ago. Cause one of my friends gave me this like uh, link called about CBT, like cognitive behavior therapy. And essentially whenever you have a fear or anxiety, think about why you're nervous, why you're worried, why you're scared. Yeah. And then uh, I looked at like, okay, that makes sense. I never like applied it. And then uh, I actually, like the night before, I was like, why am I nervous? I'm like, oh, am I, am I say the wrong thing? I'm like, do I ever say the wrong thing or do I ever swear in an exam room? I'm like, no, I see children all day and I don't swear. Mm-hmm. So I, I just told myself like every thought I had, I tried to make it logical. And then uh, I was like, yeah, like I'm not going to mess up. There's no way I can mess up except for a brain fart. But also I don't ever brain fart in the exam room. So like, how would I, why would I bring fart here? And then like at eight in the morning, like instead of being like super anxious and nervous, I was like pretty confident, I think. 
I was swiveling my chair because I didn't realize I was sitting on a swivel chair. So <laughs> I'm like just moving it a little bit the entire time. If you look at it, it looks like I'm like shaking weirdly. I'm like, no, I'm just swiveling my chair just like two degrees each way. Man, it was, it was nice because like every question she asked, uh, I kind of expected and it was nothing that was unusual. And I, there's no hard questions. There was nothing weird and good experience for myself. Going in that morning, is there like something you tell yourself going in? Because I've, for me, it's like on camera or in front of a mic, it's not like it just feels natural to me because I've done it so many times now in the last yeah. couple of years. But public speaking still is a bit strange for me. Mm-hmm. And I've done it a few times in the last two years. And every time you get more comfortable. But I always like tell myself something going in. Is there something in your head that you like? Yeah. Um, it's like normally my thing would be like, okay, like, like the the natural thing I think is like okay I'm gonna fuck this up I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do wrong I'm gonna do poorly like I'm not gonna do well, and then you just gotta change that mentality to like, you know like I do this every day I'm I'm gonna rock it I'm gonna kill it and I can tell myself like yeah like I'm gonna do well they're gonna get like I just changed like it's something weird that happened on mine like, a few months ago I was like stop thinking about the negatives think about the positives mm-hmm. and like you think about what you've done in the past like think historically like, do I fuck mess things up no like I've I'm going to do well. I'm going to nail it. I'm going to do well. I'm going to do well. And that's like, I tell myself that over and over again. And I got excited about it. And I said, like, let's just see how it goes. I made more of like a challenge for myself. Like, yeah. I know I'm going to do well. Let's see how well I can do. And then like, the night before, I was, I was nervous. Morning, I like, woke up like, we got this now. We got this. We being me and myself. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got this. <laughs> Do you, um, I forget what I was going to say. It was going to be really good though. It's going to be <laughs> super, super good. Uh, you had a classic brain fart there. <laughs> yeah, but I, that's part of natural conversation. I like had people four, forget shit all the time. I had four minutes. It's a four minute segment. I'm like, I can't have a brain fart in those four minutes. And I was also trying to like sell myself and sell the business, sell optometry. Like I can't say anything to upset any other optometrist because yeah. like it's a big, we're, I think real estate is the same thing where it's like a, you just have like a board that governs you, right? Or do you have association? You do, right? Yeah. yeah. So like I can't upset other optometrists, can't say anything terrible, and it's rec- and it's recorded, so it's forever. So I don't want to be that one guy having like a random swearing competition there. <laughs> There's so many tangents where you're going to go off on. Yeah, but nailed it. Like I, like I thought it would, and that's and that just reaffirmed what I said earlier, like the whole CBT thing. Like think about it. What are the po- what are the possible outcomes? Yeah. And then. Uh, Everything I thought I was going to do happened. Like, uh, well, everything I thought that was going to do positively happened. Nothing I thought negatively was going to, nothing I thought negatively did happen. So I was like, why am I worried? And then that's like, that's helped me so much with like just worrying in general. Cause like, why worry when you know it's going to be fine? <laughs> you know you're really good, right? At what? At your profession. Oh, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> do you know that though? Uh, I thank you. I, I uh, appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> do, you know, do you know that? I think I, are you asking me, are you telling me I'm good or are you asking me? I'm asking if you know you're good. Uh, I think I do a, I think I do a good job at my profession. That's I've seen, telling me I'm good. I'm like, I've seen you in a professional environment a yeah. few times. I have sent all my family and friends that need eye doctor stuff. That is good. I appreciate that. Because you're good. You're really good. You communicate really well. Even on Saturday when I came in to get sunglasses, I walk in 
and you are talking to a dad and a son about the son. And like, I didn't really hear what you were saying, but the way that you communicate is really, really well. Like you communicate really well. And you can tell when you're communicating that you're very confident in your, I don't know if you say diagnosis or like assessment or whatever the right word is. And I just know you're a really smart dude. When you, how long have you been actually practicing? So believe it or not, uh, I'm gonna guess. Guess two and a half years. So I've been practicing for three years, three years. and three months. Okay, let's say three and a half for easy yeah. numbers. Was there an adjustment period? Because like, so the, the what I'm getting at and yeah. where I want this conversation to go is that comparing to my world in yeah. real estate, it's very easy to sign up for a course, pay the fifteen hundred bucks, whatever it is, read a book. <clears throat> fill out the assignments and write an exam and pass. And now you're a realtor. <clears throat> the competency level from going from passing the exam to good realtor is years. The difference, obviously, in the medical field is there's a f- shit ton of education. Yep. Right? So <laughs> how many years is optometry school? Um Four? Theoretically, bachelor's degree and then optometry is four, so eight to nine years roughly. Yeah. yeah. You're smarter than me. I, I get that. I to, I'm totally happy. Book smart, yeah. <laughs> Book smart. But <laughs> coming from so much education, do you go into the field confident or is it like, how long did it take you to be that guy so that I, I saw some, on Saturday? I have very, very strong thoughts on this. Okay. And uh, so... There's different ways to look at it. And a lot of schools, especially the one in in Canada, uh, they go very academic. Yeah. And, you know, you could be the smartest person in the world, Mm -hmm. but if you can't communicate with people and you can't relate to people, no one will want to see you. No one will like, no one will like you. Like, a lot of what we do, especially optometry, is communication. And I want patients to like me, understand me, but also I want them to like have the best diagnosis and it, it's a fine balance of two. And it's a weird thing because like for your profession, you have to be knowledgeable about real estate and you have to be um, likable because if you, if you hate real estate, there's enough to go around. And same thing mm-hmm. for us in Vancouver, there's enough to go around. And what I find is there's a lot of people that are smart, but they're not good conversationalists. And mm-hmm. like to actually understand a person's needs and, um, what the person is like, like I have people that come in, they're like, you know, like for example, like I, want, I want some glasses, but like my, my workplace is really unique. I don't want to wear glasses cause I look weird and this and that. And I'm also like, for example, I have a patient who's in a, in a, um, in a military band and he's like, my only goal is to look at sheet music and then look at the conductor. And then I'm like, okay, like I understand what you're talking about. I understand the distances. And I make him glasses for both those things to look at sheet music and to look at glass, as a conductor. And it's like understanding that what the person is saying as well as what their uh, what their needs are. And a lot of people like it's the whole textbook thing. Like they understand, hey, your prescription is this. This is what we give you. It's like no, yeah. every single person is unique. We have to find a solution that works for you. And I have people that work in the film industry. A lot of film industry people. And they're, they're looking at computers 12 hours a day, plus looking across the set. And like, well, let's just make those two things work for you. And the biggest thing for me is finding a solution that works for everyone. And uh, back to your question, sorry, about uh, 
I don't know the tangent there, but back to your question. So the biggest thing is that I think you have to be able to communicate well to people because you can be the smartest person in the room, but if you don't communicate well, people don't understand what you're saying and they don't understand, they don't respect you as much as if you can communicate well. Yeah. I could be pretty stupid. I could fake it, but if I can communicate well, they won't know it. <laughs> I hire students from UBC and they do a term with me and uh, they get graded for it and I'm part of the UBC program there. And uh, one thing I've always looked at, because I get their grades, and I get the resumes. And, and for me, I don't hire based on grades. I've had like, applicants that are straight A students. I'm actually less inclined to hire them than I am inclined to hire the B or C students because in my industry, communication and personality is where it's at. And that's what sets you apart, plus that's how you communicate to patients. So this is for like front of house staff, right? No, it's the technicians, right. the ones that work. Okay. Like, I guess you haven't come for an eye exam, a proper eye exam yet, yeah. but like the, they do all the imaging, they do all the, all the okay. explaining of machines, and then they set the room up for me. And for two and a half, almost three years now, I've had students, and it's been amazing. So like after six months, I was like fed up with our current technicians. They were not good. So I, uh, I was like, let's hire students. They're great. I was a student once. I was a technician. And then I'm like, we also get 75, 75% of their wage subsidized. So let's hire students. Wow. Yeah, we pay like five bucks an hour. It's great. 75%? <laughs> With those certain programs. And then um, it's like when I'm hiring students for this role, and if I was to hire for, like, let's say I was to look for an optometrist, I wouldn't want the A-plus person. Uh, just because everyone has... Um, has a degree to a certain point and they're and they're very smart and they're proficient. Mm-hmm. I look more for the person that has a personality that does stuff outside of their workplace. 100%. Because that's the person you know that you can relate to and that has more of a understanding. And myself, like I, I was an A student, but I was also really unique that I was also an extracurricular person. So that yeah. made a big difference for myself. And that's what I look for in a hire as well. Is not the smartest person. I'm, I hire 100% based on personality and communication. In our business, like one of the things I say all the time to our team is the most important thing is being a chameleon. Mm-hmm. You have to you have to be able to listen. You have to like in any listing appointment, any new buyer appointment, any new interaction of any sort, whether it's a new realtor or whatever, you have to be able to mm-hmm. listen, interpret what is important to this person, yes, and alter your communication to what they are going to understand. Right? Yeah, that's exactly. And, oh, sorry, uh, that's exactly what I do every day because. Uh, I see a new patient every 15 yeah. minutes. I can go from seeing a lawyer to a construction worker to a student. And uh, I'm trying to explain their health and I'm trying to explain their needs. And I have to be able to relate to them because I can, I can sound like the smartest person ever, but you may not understand me. And 100%. I have to relate to you and talk in your language. And that's the chameleon is probably the best term I've ever heard because that's what you have to do in, in almost any job. I think you need, especially in our, our jobs, being a chameleon is very beneficial. I'll ask people on our team, I'll be like, what's the most important part of your job? And they'll be like, something real estate related, right? Like real estate experience, knowledge, neighborhood knowledge, contractual knowledge, or whatever. You'll learn all like, that. Wrong. You can train all it's that. listening. Yeah. The only, like your sole job is to listen and alter information based on how that person is going to understand it. Yeah. It's unbelievably important. Yeah. Every listing appointment I go into, people... Other realtors like always ask me like, "What's your presentation like? What's your do you like drop off? Do you have a, like a physical presentation that is like a booklet that you drop off?" I'm like, no, I just go in there and listen to people. <laughs> like, I'm a human. My whole goal for the first ten minutes yeah. of any listing appointment is to ask questions. Yeah. So that I can hear what they want 
that I can alter how our communication is right. delivered, right? Like, yes, I think we do really well at some things, but the way that you present those things or the order in which you present them or like how much time you spend on talking about them is completely altered by what is important to you. Yeah. So like, let's say Nav, this is pretty accurate, but let's say you're a 60-year-old woman. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I feel like that sometimes. I go in there like, <clears throat> just like an older person. The first question I'm going to ask is like, what was your last real estate experience like? Yeah. What, when you bought this place or have you sold before? Yes, we sold a house <clears throat> yeah. 10 years ago. What was that experience like? They just talk, right? Yeah. You know, what was the communication like between your realtor and yourself? How long were you on market? How many showings did you have? Uh, what did you like about that experience? What did you not like about that experience? And honestly, I don't even get through that question list because when usually, usually when you ask, "What was that last real estate experience like?" They just open up. Yep. And they're like, "Well, you know, we sold fairly quickly, but we, you know, we didn't hear that much from our. We were on the market thirty days, but like we only heard when we had a showing. Like we never heard what the feedback was. Like." A young couple came through our house. Like, did they like it? Did they hate it? Did they not like our paint color? Like, they like so many questions. Yep. So, boom, yep. communication huge for them. They want follow ups. Yep. Done. Check mark. Yeah, like, absolutely. It's, it's easy. I think like probably eighty like percent of business communication is listening. Like for us, like I'm here to listen it's and so find a solution for man. you. And I can you can't you can't cookie cutter responses. You can't do the same thing for everyone. Every single person <clears throat> is different, <throat> and you gotta cater to that. <clears throat> and that's what that's what makes us unique and better. I think what we do. It took it took me a few years to figure it out. Like it's not something I think that is like intuitive. Mm-hmm. I think it's something that has learned over time of yeah. like failure, right? Like going into listing appointments and just like spewing out all my information, and the other you can tell. By physical cues that the other person is not understanding or just losing interest, mm-hmm. right? So you need to figure out like what is going to keep them interested. Okay, let's attack those yeah. like two ideas or whatever. Yeah. For myself, uh, you asked me earlier, like when did I realize like I got to this level where I was confident talking? And mm-hmm. uh, so in our last year of school, we do rotations and uh, work at different hospitals and clinics, and we pick four of them. And I was in mainly like uh, hospitals most of the time. But one of my rotations I picked was uh, a clinic in Beverly Hills. And it wasn't medical anyway. It wasn't anything that I think would be beneficial um, experience-wise medically. But I, I knew it was a, the, one of the biggest private practices in America. Uh, all the celebrities go there, and it was one of the best practices. And what I learned from there was like how you talk to people is how, is what... Um, what really makes defines you as a doctor, and, and and it really gives them the best perception of yourself, mm-hmm. and that's where I got the confidence. Like you just go with it, you fake it. They they don't know what's happening. Like they don't know how nervous you are. Plus, also like how you explain things and how you talk to them and listen is what really defines you as. Do a you think you fake it though? Not anymore. Like at first, no, no, no. But like even back then, because I look back, mm-hmm. you hear this term "fake it till you make it," and I, I've always been on the fence about it, yeah. and I don't know if I believe it. I think the right term is kind of what I said before, like chameleon, in terms of like, I'm not changing who I am. I'm just altering the way my personality is coming out in a delivery. I think you're faking the confidence because like, I'm a little nervous inside. Mm -hmm. I like, 
you can't tell I'm nervous. I'm faking my confidence, but I'm also learning as we're going. And, uh, but I'm also chameleon, like you said, but I'm also like, I'm faking my confidence because mm-hmm. I, like, I'm, this is like my fifth patient I've seen. You don't know that. And if you don't know that you're fine. <laughs> if I know what I'm talking about and I'm, and I'm just talking confidently, like that's the part I'm faking. Cause like some people, they their emotions overcome them. Then they show their, um, anxiousness yeah. in their voice. And that's where you lose people. And it's how you present yourself. And like that part of faking, I know, I know all my stuff front to back. No problem. That's not what I'm faking. It's just my confidence. I'm, I'm faking. So knowing that, presenting, yeah. knowing that we have a pretty similar like outlook on a new client interaction, how much, how much time energy training do you guys put in your practice into that with the other staff in your office for just new new clients or just clients in general like let's say customer service how mm-hmm. important is customer service in terms of like your entire office training mo- uh training manual i don't know if you even have one but like we do uh, we have all that and more than 50 percent. i i think honestly uh there's nothing more important than customer service it's the first impression when you walk into the clinic speaks volumes and then uh, how you talk to a patient, how you present it, how you answer the phone. We try to make customer service the most important thing because mm-hmm. we know our service is great. We know our product is great. We know our exams and everything else is great. We do charge more, but we offer, I say, more than the average practice. Customer service is what is the most workable thing. And that is what patients and everyone around us actually experiences the most. And you could have the smartest doctor, but if you have a like a crappy receptionist, people will be upset. If you look at rate MDs, things like that, like, oh, doctor is great, front reception staff is terrible. I don't ever want to be that person. I want to be like, it was an experience. I came there. I was like, we used to give, we used to offer a coffee to everyone that walked in. We used to offer beverages and water or like snacks. Can't do that because of COVID, but like it used to be, we used to make an experience because we want you to like coming here. We want you to enjoy it. And customer service is the best thing we can do. And we, we always kind of tailor ourselves around um, like a Harry Rosen or, a, or a, like a Hilton. Mm-hmm. You go there for a reason. Like get, People are spending more, but they're getting more out of it. And it's that whole getting value for your dollar. Have you ever thought about offering people sausages? <laughs> Here is your optometry sausage. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we used to offer coffee. coffee Dude, I would come in every day. <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily purchase well, things, but I would be but, in there. But we do offer that in a different way. We offer kids like little sunnies. Yeah. You, know, you have the uh, the uh, Garbage Dumas sunglasses. We offer Linville Vibe sunglasses for kids. Yeah. If the kids are happy, the parents are happy, and the parents will come in. They'll tell their friends. Like That is one thing that I've actually really tried to uh, mar- uh, target is making the kids happy because like six year old, you're going to see this like random dude and like in an eye exam, he's gonna shine lights in your eyes. It's a frightening experience. If the kid leaves happy, parents happy, they tell all their friends, and somehow you end up seeing a bunch of kids every day. <laughs> How do you because this is one of the big challenges I'm having now in more of like a leadership manager role? Yeah. Is how do you communicate that to staff? How do you communicate that like look, every single person coming in the door? If you treat them exceptionally well, yeah. that could result in millions of dollars of business yep. in the next 20 years, right? Versus like, if you are having a mediocre day, let's say a dude that is one of the technicians yep. 
comes in. He, he broke up with his girlfriend last night. Yep. He comes in. He's in a shit mood. He treats one person like shit. Like he just thinks he's losing one customer. He's like, yep. whatever. It is what it is. I'm having a shit day. Versus understanding that like putting all that personal stuff aside, treating people extremely well is like such a long-term benefit. So it's so interesting you ask this because this is the hardest thing I do every day. And it's, it's really difficult. So I, I manage the clinic and every day, like my optometry stuff is actually easy to me now because I, I never, I rarely missed, I, I'm going to say I almost never miss diseases. I don't miss anything. I, I do well on the optometry side. That mm. is easy for me. The people management side is the hardest thing I do every day. Every day is a learning curve. And learning it's right? a struggle because you're dealing with, we have about eight, almost 19 staff, 19 or 20 staff members now. And one, you try to manage yourself. I'm a 30 year, year old person, 31, try to manage my own like life. And then you try to manage <laughs> 20 other people's yeah. lives. And you're like, and you have to be the face of it. You have to be the composure. And you're like, one, I have to hold my composure because if I still I'm upset then everyone gets upset mm. and and the question to you is like I, I always say so for myself I'm very good and you're probably good at this too but is uh you leave your personal problems at door <clears throat> no matter what's happening in your personal life you you turn that face on where you're you're there for the patient and you make it their experience and that's one thing I think I'm very good at and I try to tell my staff I'm like you know the this patient here is f- here for five minutes and y- especially for my seniors, you can make or break their day. Because totally. this, for some seniors, this is the only thing they'll do that day. Totally. So let's make it a pleasant experience for them. I want everyone to feel valued and I want everyone to feel like they're, all their needs and uh, and they're, they're just being fulfilled when they come into the exam room. Just that they're valued, right? They're valued, like, yeah. And, and that's yeah. what it really comes down to. And I try to explain like, Okay, imagine if that patient that, that just came in that was grumpy to you, you don't know what's happening in their life. Like maybe they just, lost their son. Maybe they just broke up with their significant other. Treat them in a good way. Don't go to their energy level. Bring them up to yours. I always, I always say that because like if someone's being grumpy to you or like being like rude to you, don't go rude back to them. Never do that. L- be positive. You'll, you'll actually bring them up to your level. And I always say this and they're always surprised because some will be frustrated for some reason and then when I get to the exam room, they'll leave happy. And like, what'd you say? I'm like, I just brought them to my level. I, I bring positivity to their life. If you just act negative towards them, act angry, they'll leave angrier. You'll never get them back. And like you said, it's one patient we're losing. It, it's a yearly thing for us. Like for you guys, like, you know, some of my, my house once every 10 years, right? Yeah. For us, they're coming every year. They're buying glasses or contacts every year. So the actual revenue over 10 years, it's not like it's a thousand dollars. It's like five to $10,000 because you know, 150 bucks for exam, glasses every two or three years, that's like 500 bucks. It really adds up. So if you lose one patient, that's $10,000 lost over the next 10 years. So I really want to value every single person when they walk in. And I say, treat it like your mother or your grandmother. Mm-hmm. And that, that's how I treat my patients. That's why I was so nice to your mom when she came in. I treat them like my family. And that's, I think that's what has helped me as well. I had this conversation with one of the realtors on our team a couple of days ago is like <clears throat> you want to treat people so well that when they leave, they're yelling about you. Yep. Like when they're having dinner with their friends and someone says, oh, I'm looking to buy uh, whatever, a condo, I'm looking to sell my house, whatever it is. You want that person to be so excited about working with you that they're yelling at their per- yep. friend 
oh, you have a realtor already? Mine's better. Yep. <laughs> Versus like if they leave the real estate experience, let's say, you know, they bought a condo, it, you did everything no- fine, but like on possession day, their place was clean, not clean. It's not your fault. Yep. You're a realtor. Like you're the buyer's agent. Go in, it's not clean. If I spend 300 bucks to send a cleaner in there for them, they are ecstatic. <laughs> So pumped. Yep. And they leave the experience being like, that guy's the best guy. Yep. That's the best realtor of all time. Yep. Versus like, if you're just like, I'm so sorry, this happens all the time. Like, I'm really sorry. I can give you a cleaner contact. You can call them. You can get them in tomorrow. It's going to be a few hundred bucks. That's the difference between someone talking about, let's say Nav's talking about real estate. I'm sitting across the table. I had to pay for my cleaner in this example. And I'm like, oh, that's exciting. Have fun. Yeah. <laughs> Versus like, who, yo, you have a realtor? Oh, no, no, no. Mine was way better. Yeah. Here's, here's his phone number. Yeah. And even for us, like you said, with the, you're paying for the cleaning, uh, I try to do it with everyone. Like, even for like when a, when a new mother comes in or uh, a pregnant woman comes in, I actually bought 300 of these Dr. Seuss, Dr. Seuss the iBooks. They were like six bucks each, bought a ton of them, wrapped each one. When a patient comes in and they say they're pregnant or they just had a baby, I'm like, here's a, here's a present from us. Sure, it says compliments to Linville Autometry on the first Huge. page. They will never forget that book. They see the iBook. One, they remember us like, oh, like Dr. Sodi gave this to me. And two, what a nice person. Like, they'll tell their friends about it. And like it cost us $6 a book. Huge. They love it. That was one of my favorite things they did. And like for if it's around a birthday, I'll give them uh, some chocolates. If, like, unfortunately, if someone passed away, sometimes we'll send flowers or cards if it's a patient yeah. I know. And I'm at that point now where I see people four or five times now, like for annual exams. And some patients I see every three months. So, like, I know my patients pretty well. And I, I see 3,500 people a year, but I know them all. But I know a lot of them pretty well. So, it's at that point where, like, it's the same people coming back. So, it's nice. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. We're 31 years old. Are you 31 now? Yeah. When's your birthday? I'm. I'm uh, July 17th, so three months older than, younger than you. You're 31 too. It's cool. Like, you sound old when you say shit like this, but like (laughs) going through the different stages of life, when you're 31, I like, I look at friends around me and I'm so pumped for like people who are doing what they're excited about Mm -hmm. and like doing really well, like being successful. And you're one of those guys for sure. Thank you. And And I look at you and I think like, this guy's 31. He is one of, I don't know many optometrists, but because my eyes are perfect. (laughs) (laughs) That's a true statement. I can verify that. (laughs) Denny's 2010, (laughs) better than than average. But I have lots of friends and family members that have needed glasses and contacts and all that shit. You're better, which is so cool (laughs) to me to look and to be able to like, refer my friend to my family and my friends being like, Hey, Nav is the best dude in the world. Call his office, text him. He's just going to treat you better than other people. And, <laughs> I appreciate that. And my mom is an example and I'm not trying to like make you feel awkward or anything. I just, I'm trying to make a point like customer service matters so much. Yeah. I agree. My mom goes, to, my mom's had worn glasses for, what is she? 62. Well, what should I say? Mom, mom, mom's 34. <laughs> <laughs> mom's in her 60s. Let's say that. And she's worn glasses for probably 40 years. Yeah. And 
after she left your office, she called me and is like, that was by far the most technical <laughs> exam I've ever had. Yeah. Nav is so friendly. And I just felt like he knew exactly what I needed before I even knew what I needed. Mm-hmm. And so like those things from friends and family are huge. I appreciate that. And honestly, man, I guess the point I'm trying to make is it's really exciting being like 30 years old and I'm a person who has a lot of pretty big ambition and it's cool to see friends that are also like just dominating their industry or their specific little niche that they want to dominate. And it's really cool. It absolutely is. I have to agree with you so much there. I love seeing friends do the same thing. Even yourself, like the real estate, you've killed it. (laughs) I'm having so much fun. (laughs) That's the cool thing is like, yes, I um, like, I didn't think I would be here seven. It's crazy. I think it's been seven years. That's when you worked at Oscars or Darcy's or Oliver Twist. (laughs) Also, probably the most valuable experience I've ever had is being a bartender. Mm -hmm. Going back to like how to communicate with people, you would get like construction workers that are ordering Bottles of Budweiser and verse and yelling at you because someone on their job threw a nail at them, you know, that day or like whatever. Versus like people coming in for lunch that are very professional, wearing a tie, and you know, wanting a little bit different avenue of service, right? But even it goes back to the same point: customer service. Like no matter what you do, like. Like for example, uh, I go out in Yellowtown a lot, and there's a place called Parlor, uh, and then they like they really are able to talk to people, and being able to talk to that person, no matter what they do, will get you more tips, more money, and they'll spend more, and that's what they do really well. And I think a lot of bartenders in general do really well is just being able to communicate and customer service. And I think no matter what you're doing, I think I, heard, I think I heard this in a story once, like. A lot of what we do every day is sales, and we don't know it, but a lot of what we do every day is sales, and that's. Sales is all customer service. Whenever we look to bring on a new realtor, maybe this is like sales specific, not so much like real estate specific, but the two industries I love seeing on a like in someone's history yeah. is hospitality. Yeah. Cause you can if you're bartending or serving, you are literally the definition of a chameleon. You need mm-hmm. to be able to communicate really well with Tons of different demographics. And the other side of it is sports. I like people that have been like higher level sports, like let's say playing university. Yeah. Just because then you then you have a lot of different qualities that you just kind of naturally get instilled in you, like humility, because yeah. you lose a shit ton in sports and it sucks. And like hard work. To get to that level, you need to work pretty hard. And then like coachability Mm -hmm. usually is another thing from like university athletes is like you can take direction. Yeah. If you're wrong, you'll be like, yeah, I fucked up. I need to do this better next time. Yeah. There's nothing harder when someone can't take criticism because then you you just like don't want to tell them to do a poor job and then they they just keep doing a poor job. Being able to take criticism is a a skill. (laughs) Like it is an absolute skill. Constructive criticism. Yeah. I want to ask you a more specific question on this. So you had whatever eight or nine years of university, yeah, of education. Let's say half of that was like medical 
optometry specific. Yep. How long once you got into your career did it take you to feel like you were an industry expert? <laughs> I don't know. I still feel like that personally, but uh, you are though now. I felt very confident at around the uh, one year mark, and that's only I got. I got very fortunate where I got to meet a lot of people quickly. And when it comes to being drug reps and uh, all of our industry reps, I, I'm i able to communicate well. And because of that, I was able to meet a lot more people and meet people that were you know, 10, 15 years in the same position as me ahead of me in my career. So they were good mentors for me. So my first year, they helped me quite a bit. Like my friend Pavin, he helped me a lot the first year. And um, even the doctor I work for, Dr. Uh, Altaz, he... Uh, has helped me a lot. So, like walking into this scenario, I had good mentorship, and I think by the first year, the first like three months, I felt really good. First year, I felt confident managing the practice and doing every every day to day opportunity. How did you make those connections? I like to drink beer, and they like to drink beer, and we, we, I'm good at that. No, I'm just Dude, kidding, but uh, being social, Dude, 100%, 100%. Really is. And uh, I think being social and being able to communicate is is big because if you are willing to put yourself out there and talk to them, they'll talk back to you and you make friends that way. And then from making friends, you actually make uh, relationships. Are you messaging them though? Yeah. So yeah. are you like, I don't know if there's a list of optometrists in BC, but are you like DMing? Top opt- are you Googling top optometrists in BC? It's a small community, so I be- so we like lucky. what's the size? Do you know the seven hundred optometrists? That's it in BC. That seems yep. really low. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's it's pretty it sounds reasonable. What's the population of BC? Two point five million. <laughs> five five million. Yeah, it's like four point nine. Oh, or maybe five. Greater Vancouver is two point four. Greater Vancouver is like two point four. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so uh, there's the boat. That seems low, 700 for. No, but like I see, for example, I see 3,500 patients a year. And you don't, isn't your practice like one of the busiest in BC? That's just one person though. And like, for example, my friend Pavin has like five optometrists and he probably sees 10,000 patients a year. But that's not, every patient's not coming back every year, right? So it's probably like, like on average, you probably have 10,000 unique patients coming in. Some patients will come every two or three years. Some will come every right. five years. So right. we, we see a lot of people, and some people have like yourself. You don't see them tantrics because your vision's great. So, but I come in for sunglasses <laughs> and for like you know the occasional like eye bump and stuff like that. Just say hi <laughs> and ask you. Yeah, I got a fucked up eye because of the COVID masks, man. If you're two days faster, you would not have this little bump left over. And I gave you the drops on a Friday night. You filled it Sunday. <laughs> I don't think that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's all healed, it all healed up. What kind of customer service is this now? If you're blaming the customer? I f- called the prescription to a pharmacy <laughs> for you. I can't make it easier for you. The pharmacies, I can see the pharmacy from here. I did not make it easy. I could not make it easier for you. It's going to it's be fine. Everything's going to be fine. It all worked out. It's a battle wound. Yeah. I'll remember 2020 for the rest of my life because I have a big fucking red mark in my eye. That one podcast wearing sunglasses was great. <laughs> Wasn't it? It was great. <laughs> I asked Jamie, remember that one? Yeah, oh yeah. I asked Jamie. It was a real estate podcast. I walk in, I'm like, Jamie, you have two options. One, I wear these stupid sunglasses. Two, I look like this. <laughs> He's like, yeah, that's a pretty tough choice. <laughs> you make the call, man. I'm like, all right, I'm wearing the sunglasses. You made the right call. Right? It yeah. looked like shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I went into... It's, it's pretty funny, right? Whenever something is like glaringly wrong, 
I think it's hilarious to just call it out. So when was that? That was probably like July. It would have been like, yeah, June, July. And July was a really busy month for us this year. So we had a lot of listing appointments. So I'm walking into the listing appointments for like a week. Let's say five or six appointments. And I'm walking, I'm, I walk in and be like, hey, my name's Denny. I know I look like shit. I know. <laughs> I don't, my friend's an eye doctor. This is what I would say. Yeah. My friend's an eye doctor. He's like one of the best in BC. This is what <laughs> Thank you. I would just like, gen, like classify you like that right away. He, it's just, it's an infection. Like it, I've been wearing this mask the whole, you know, the last two months, all this bacteria is going up and I would just go into this I, two minute explanation right I away. I cannot explain how many, so, so like, uh, it's a little background there. So Denny was wearing a mask like everyone else in Vancouver and with masks, we get a lot of air coming up to the eyes and you get a lot of breath bacteria there. So the number of, uh, of styes we've had in the past six months is ridiculous. And Denny was, was unfortunately one of the people- was looked, mine? A sty, yeah. That's a sty? Yeah, a sty is like a generic term for like an eye, uh, eyelid growth, but... It's like an eye pimple. Yeah, it's like an infection of the gland, but yeah, so the pimple, yeah. But uh, the number we've had, it's been a tenfold increase. Like probably every week I That's get... Crazy. I used to get like one or two, like a month. Now I'm getting like five or six a week. It's just because unfortunately because of mass, we get a lot of breath bacteria and Daddy was unfortunately one of the people who got it and it's just a matter of... It's a whole new world we're experiencing, which is like eyelid bacteria. But you know it well. Yeah, I looked at it like... like this is how good, just <laughs> for people listening, this is how, if you need eye attention, you need to call Dr. Sodi. Or just Nav. I still feel awkward calling <laughs> I walk into your office and I'm like, hey, is Nav here? <laughs> They're like, oh yeah, Dr. Sodi's just with the patient. I'm like, oh, okay, tell Nav I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah when you say nav they're like oh yep that's his friend <laughs> is it awkward when people call you dr sodi i'm used was to was that it. an adjustment no it was kind of like a like a clout moment there i was like yeah oh. i'm really happy to say it i've had i've worked for like the last 10 years to do this yeah. i loved it and every time i was like yep like it then after a bit now like i'm actually starting to introduce myself not as dr sodi to patients because like a little older now I'm like, oh, like I am Nav Sodi. Nice to meet you. And, I, and then because everyone else calls me Doctor Sodi, they they know, right? But when I was a little bit younger and newer, I feel like I needed to say Doctor Sodi so they knew I was the doctor. Do you think it's just an old school thing? Hundred percent. Like it's just like a prestige thing. Hundred percent. It. Call me Doctor Smith. I think you know, on the like, last podcast we did, we had this exact conversation, totally. and it's all like it's clout, and uh, it comes down to that. Nowadays, like I'm like, oh, I'm Nav Sodi. Nice to meet you, and. With like older patients, I'll still say Dr. Sodi so they don't think I'm like a child coming in, like mm -hmm. my 70 year olds. But if someone's under 50, I'll say, I am Nav Sodi. Nice to meet you. Yeah. So, what I take from that as someone who's trying to be a good listener <laughs> is you're getting to the point in your career, which is super exciting for me, that you are so confident in your ability that you don't need to hide behind the label. Which is really, really cool, right? I think we get in there, yeah. That's so cool. When you're just like, hey, what's up? I'm Nav. Yeah, I'm the best fucking optometrist yeah. in BC. <laughs> Please. No like, one, not that you're yeah. saying that, yeah. but like your confidence and the way you uh, present yourself to clients and your knowledge yeah. backs it up. Yeah. But like, you're Nav. And it really makes me feel like I'm blushing a little bit now. It makes me feel really good about myself. Yeah. <laughs> it is what it is, man. Yeah. That's. To me, that's super exciting. That's cool. That's a goal, right? That's a goal. That's cool. When you yeah. get to that point, 
Because then you're invincible. It's a fine line, though, between getting to that point and staying there yeah. versus like thinking you're God. Not like I, God, I, but I, like I absolutely despise those people. Totally. And I know that those people in the industry, like, they're some of the biggest names. And I just like, there's people that are, if they're only, like my friend Pavin, he's willing to help us, like help me. Like, when I first met him, he was very supportive. He's probably one of the biggest names, is on every TV show, but he doesn't, uh, he's not saying he's God. Whereas some people, they're just so full of themselves, you don't want to talk to them. And you, you absolutely have realtors like that as well, where they're like, I don't want to take this listing, it's only $3 million, like screw that. <laughs> and uh, I hate those people. Like, I absolutely hate those people because they're not good people, I think. I think it's slightly like our generation is changing a little bit. I think it's more. I say this all the time. I've said it before. The worst people in the world are old white men. <laughs> they're just, they're shitty people. They're pricks. They grew up in like the 50s, 60s, 70s when there was no internet. Mm-hmm. There was no repercussions for their actions. They got to treat people like shit and it just, they kept moving forward. <laughs> like, I categorize my dad like this. Like, I'm like, dad, you can't say that anymore. It's 2020. This is not 1973. <laughs> man. What what is happening? But I like I think our generation's different. I think our generation is a lot more receptive to a broad spectrum of ideas. Yeah. Like we don't care if you're gay, if you're a woman, if you're trans, if you're Asian, if you're whatever. For me, Looking for like new realtors on our team. Can you talk to people? <laughs> yeah. Can you communicate really well? Can you problem solve? Because literally, I spent probably four hours today just firefighting. That's yep. all. Oh fuck. Okay, let's figure out a situation. Let's figure out a solution. That's like that's it. Mm-hmm. I don't like. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to our clientele who you are. Are you just going to communicate well yep. and are you going to solve problems? I have, a, I have a question for you, actually. Yeah. So, uh, I love questions. By yeah. the way. <laughs> so, do you, do you do interviewing at uh, Garber Dumas Realty? <laughs> yeah. So, what's your process? Do you sit down with them? Do you talk to them? Like, how do you, re- so, so when you get these applicants and you bring them in, how do you realize, or how do you find for what those? Position? So, uh, for a realtor, let's say, how do you find someone's a good fit for you? So, I, I'm going to be completely honest yeah. here. I hold very little value on education. Yep. Very little. Me too. So if someone <laughs> said, like, probably in the next, like, three to six months, we're probably going to be looking for another realtor. Because I think, quote me on this, Carl, 2021 is going to be a crazy real estate year. Interest rates, Bank of Canada has just announced, are staying where they are, which is ridiculously low. Mm-hmm. It's like 1.5%. Yep. It's nothing. It's free money. I think real estate's gonna be crazy next year, 2022, maybe two. And I think we're gonna be really bit. We're spending a. So, this is something I wanted to ask you about marketing stuff. I'll come back to your question in a second. Marketing stuff like how much effort, time do you, as like part of running your clinic, spend on your website? Mm hmm. 
on social media on like attracting new people to the clinic? So my opinion is the best way to attract people to your clinic is customer service. Once again, I know, I know this is the general theme. I 100% here. agree. Yeah. If people, but outside of that. Yeah. But if people like me, they'll tell people, yeah, yeah, that's the best way. And then we, we do have a marketing person. We do like our Instagram, like for your Instagram, it's awesome. Like it's fun to watch. People like looking at houses, things like that. Eyes, like we're trying to make it fun. We're trying to show, I don't know if you follow us on Instagram, but we're trying to like showcase our new frames. We're trying to make it more fun. We're spending more time there because a lot of, there are a lot of companies that have done well with, with that. You yeah. know what I'm getting more value out of than like showing houses off? Yeah. Is information. Yeah. Is being the leader in that industry. Yeah. So for you, like, I don't know, I, we could dissect your industry a little bit better at another time, but like being like, why not have like a two minute explanation of, hey, a lot of people are wearing masks right now. Like we're super conscious of COVID. Like a lot of people, we've had 10 times the amount of eye infections. Yeah. It's a simple fix. Come see us. We're going to give you this like really simple rub that you rub on your eye twice a day and it's solved. Yep. It happens all the time. Here's my buddy Denny with a stupid photo <laughs> of his one eye puffy and one eye not. We, like this is what a lot of people look like right now. We've actually, this is what it is. We've been trying to do that in the morning on Thursdays. Like me, me and this was one doctor. Like we're both very, we like to talk a lot. So we want to start our own little morning segment like how you and uh you and uh, Jamie do where yeah. we just talk for 10 minutes on our Instagram about eyes and yeah. well, we're going to start this pretty soon but we're going to have people ask questions. I think that would be a great source for us. Huge. Uh, website for us is huge but the biggest thing for us that draws people in besides anything else is Google reviews. Like people look up Google uh, reviews are unbelievable. Yeah, people look up powerful. optometrist in North Vancouver and it's tough because I haven't found a, a good way to Every patient leaves happy, and most people are very happy to leave. We send them an email, like a little survey, but no one, like everyone says, like they do inter- they do the internal survey, and they don't. They say, like, "Oh, we're really happy. You guys are always great." No one leaves a Google review, and I'm trying to get them to, like drive them there. So but- this is one thing we did last year. Uh, last year, I think, yeah, we. It's the same for us. Like yeah. we're not salesy people. I, like you know that I've never, right? never asked for Google review except for my friends but yeah right we're, we're not salesy people it's awkward for me to like ever reach out to a past client that I've had a good relationship with and ask them to talk to their friends about yep. me like it's super awkward I would rather try to be exceptional so that they just do it on their own yeah but <clears throat> for Google reviews they're extremely powerful for any business for powerful. any business owner yeah. out there a way that we found to like get around it that made us feel okay about it was we sent out an email to our client base last year that, um, and it was like we selected them. It was like anyone who had done a deal with us in the last 12 months or something. Yeah. It wasn't like our entire database. And we said, for any Google review, look, we just outlined it. Google reviews help our business. Yeah. People search us online, they read Google reviews, they pick us based on Google reviews. It helps our business. Yeah. We want more business. We love you guys that you've used us in the yeah. past. For the next 30 days, any Google review we get in the month of whatever, January 2021, we're going to donate 100 bucks to Children's Hospital huh. or like whatever charity, whatever foundation that you'd like to. And I think that month we got like 50. Wow. So, Dude, 50 Google reviews at like uh, five stars. I don't know if it's that much. It was maybe like, maybe like 25 or 30. Like it was a lot. But people see that and they're just like, 
they understand it a bit more yeah. that we're just outlining that this helps our business. We, we we're asking you for a review, yeah. but we're going to do something about but, it. But you know, at the end of the day, you spent five thousand there. Exactly, that's nothing. Like, so we <laughs> and we nothing. and we doubled it, and we yeah. did ten grand to Children's Hospital. I think it was. Yeah. And it was like, uh, no, it was Children Make a Wish Foundation, yeah. which was so cool. And then we got this like family that came in, this little kid who had, I think he was like seven or eight, and he had been battling cancer for a while. And like his wish was like to take his family to Disneyland. Yeah, so cool. So we got to like, you guys took it there? No, we didn't take him there, but we like oh, hop on we, the plane. We like donated ten grand oh, towards for that him and his family to go to Amazing. Disneyland. It was so cool. Yeah, th- yeah. that is probably. Like the wheels are turning here. I'm like, yep, that's what we're gonna do now. So Dude. thank you. And like, it costs you what five thousand dollars. Like, we spend more on marketing in general than that. And so that's uh, that's pretty. Like, I've gained some great ideas here. That's what podcasts are all about. I know. Like, holy, just shit. sharing shit. Yeah. I hope the viewers, like that, anyone that's listening, that's running a business, can like add or take something away from this or DM us and like ask us our opinion on certain shit or maybe they need glasses yeah. and they understand now that you're the best oh. optometrist in BC <laughs> and your buddy. We'll put your buddy up there too. Pav? Pavin, he's great. Pavin, Pavin. Pav, Pav Daddy. Pav Daddy. <laughs> I made an Instagram for him called Pav Daddy 69 If you walk into his <laughs> office... And say, is Pav Daddy available? Oh, the, the what like, would his uh, staff say? They'll be like, oh, Nav sent you, eh? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because, uh, this is a side note, all through Toronto school, my nickname was Nav Daddy. And then his name, and I walked, walked to his car, he's 20 years older than me. I'm like, why is your, like, you know, in your Bluetooth things, this is your name? I'm like, why does it say Pav Daddy? <laughs> and I showed him my phone, I'm like, this is fucked up. <laughs> We've been friends ever since. <laughs> okay, we went off on a, what was your question there? Uh, how do you find your realtors? Like, what, what, what questions do you ask? Like, what do you oh, say? In what that you... first meeting? Yeah. Honestly, man, it is. I'm learning. Now I'm 31 years old. I feel like I'm a veteran, but I know <laughs> I'm not. When I'm 41, I'm going to look back and be like, you're an idiot at 31. But at this time, I feel like my intuition's fairly good. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it is like gut instinct. But really, what we were talking about before is just like how you communicate. Yeah. So I have zero questions, just like podcast now. Going into a podcast, going into a interview with like, let's say in January 2021, we're going to be looking to bring one more person onto our team, and we're going to post some shit on social media. We're going to have 25 people reach out to us. I'm going to meet with seven of them, whatever. It's a conversation. Like mm-hmm. I'm meeting them for coffee at a Starbucks or where, like whatever, and I'm just asking about them. You're like, what's your background? Right. Oh, you played sports. Sweet. Like, tell me about that. Um, you worked in a restaurant, hospital. Like, I told you the two things I love. Yeah. You worked in a restaurant. What was that like? What was the clientele like? Who's your favorite regular? What was their drink? Like, what was their life? Like, what was their story? And just like, it's just a conversation, right? So for me, there's no questions. There, it's not like in this situation when a client asks you this, what would you do? Right. Like it's not. It's not practical. It's just like, can you communicate well with people? Are you? Um, can you listen well? <laughs> listening, listening, customer service. Two themes tonight. It's man. It's so. <laughs> it's shockingly unvalued. I think. Overvalued. Uh, overlooked. I'd right. say. 
But honestly, that's it for me. Like, what am I looking at to get a person to that coffee meeting? Personality in the email. Yep. So like, if I get an email that is like, hi, Garbit Duma Real Estate, please accept this as an application towards the position available. Thank you, James. Yeah. James is not getting a call, that's for sure. I may or may not open their resume. Yeah. That they included. If the first thing on their, and this is extremely biased and I'm totally okay saying it. If the first thing at the top of their resume is education, it's a delete. Mm -hmm. We're not an education based business, right? Like I understand that an optometrist needs a certain level of education and a degree, certificate, whatever. Hiring optometrists is easy. It's the front desk and everyone else that's hard, right? Like the the, the staff, which is hard, right? Right. And like that one, education for me, it's personality. Matter. Personality yep. wins, and ability to like accept criticism and learn. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know if that's necessarily apparent in that first thirty-minute coffee meeting, but I think there's a certain way you can attack asking them a few questions about their background that will show you whether they're kind of like motivated or whether they're conceited or whatever, right? The way they answer questions is super important. And they're random questions. It's not like based on this career. It's more like, oh, you played basketball in high school? Sweet. Like, how's your coach? Mm -hmm. Oh, he was a dick. (laughs) That's a red flag. I I started learning more and more about about that, like how they talk about other people or their friends or like... Huge. It's interesting because I never thought about that. And then I'm like, Huge. oh, like if, if they talk negatively about their previous employer, mm-hmm. I'm like, yep, that's a kind of red flag there. They, what was your role on that team? Yeah. You, lo- you love playing high school basketball? What was your role? Oh, I was the power forward. You know, like no. I really enjoyed that. Like one of my best friends, Carl, Carl was six, seven. He was a beast in high school. He would score like 20 and get 10 rebounds a game. It was wicked. Nice. And I just wanted to work <laughs> off him. Like I knew that I wasn't the best athletic person in the world, but like Carl would get double teamed and I would just get into a position to be able to shoot, you know, right. be open to shoot. Like that kind of shit is cool. Versus like, oh, I was a man. You know, like all the girls love me in high school. <laughs> you know, like my buddy Carl, he was he was taller than me, but like I, you know, I was way better. You know, my my coach loved Carl just because he was tall, but you know, like it, you can tell right away that personality yeah. difference, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's what I look for. Hmm. I have zero specific questions going in. I will one hundred percent look at their Instagram profile. Yep. Oh, I search everyone on Facebook and Instagram right away, and LinkedIn. Well, LinkedIn they have it, but yeah, yeah. If you do not have Instagram and you are Sending me an email to be a realtor on our team, you are deleted. That's it. For your industry, yes, absolutely. (laughs) I actually prefer when they have a private Instagram personally. Really? (laughs) A whole different world, right? So I get it. But at the same time, let's say I have a 30 year old friend that's name is Carl Sabula. Yep. (laughs) You don't know him, he doesn't know you. Yeah. And I say, Carl needs glasses. Me and Carl are having a conversation after a podcast. One of our guests leaves. Carl's like, fuck, man. I was driving here. It was dark. 
can't see shit. I'm like, you need to go see my friend Nav. Nav is the best optometrist in BC. He's going to help you. He's going to listen to you. He's going to get you into the right product. He's going to give you a discount because you're my friend, whatever. He's probably going to charge you more because you're my friend. <laughs> oh, did he do my 10%, 10% promo? Yeah. 10% extra. <laughs> These glasses are $5.99 regularly, but because you're friends with Denny, $7.50. <laughs> Carl's going to be like, yeah, fuck, Nav sounds like a great guy. Dr. Sodi sounds like a great guy. I'm going to Google, I'm gonna Google him. What comes out on Google? Maybe his Instagram profile, maybe his like website for his uh, practice clinic. What do you call it? Clinic. Clinic. Clinic, yeah. Clinic? Practice. Not practice. practice or clinic. Either, either one's fine, yeah. I like practice. I think it's fun. You know what I like? You know what I love about the word practice? I hate it so much. But yeah, you hate it? Say, Hold on. It sounds like I'm practicing. Like I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. The reason that I love it, and maybe this is just like a, I don't know, different spin on the word, but the reason that I love practice I would love to say like real estate practice because we're like <laughs> you're all, you, like you're never good enough like yeah. you're always getting better yeah and that's like something that I wake up every single day and I'm like how can I get this much better today that's such right? an interesting like twist on the on the word there because like I don't think any practice, of us look, you're getting better yeah that's right? interesting huh I've always like, looked at the opposite way it's like oh like you don't know what you're doing let's go out practice because that's I, interesting and uh, communication yeah. for our business for your business same thing yeah. Ultra important. Every single conversation you have, you learn something small, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, this person is like, you know, it's easy to say this, and people know it. Engineer type, like very analytical. Oh, like we know all about that. Lots of questions. Like, <laughs> yep. and I, I'm pumped about these people because it's fun, and it's like I get to show all my knowledge. That's where like one of us, yeah. someone who who just like maybe is referred to us and is like, I'm a first time buyer. I don't know anything. I just need your help. Yeah, we just guide them along the way. They don't get all of my knowledge because they don't ask a lot of questions. Yep. Engineer type, we love you guys. They, they ask all a of my lot knowledge. of questions. <laughs> they're so much fun, but they're different. Yeah, and you got to treat them a little bit differently, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know where I was going with this. What was the point of the story, Carl? <laughs> where did this start? <laughs> I don't even remember. Engineers, though, they're they're hurtful to me. So I have to say, like, as a son of engineer, they ask a lot of questions, and it is a it is very frustrating because they they want you to show your entire showcase of of your work ethic and everything else, and it gets very interesting to the engineer in general. But treat it as like, oh, we're talking practice. about practice. Yeah, there That's we go. <laughs> getting better. Yeah. So like all of those like little interactions, I feel like you slightly get better. And then the next time you're asked that exact same question, yep. or you, or even in an interaction with like a similar personality type, you're so much more confident. Absolutely, everything is in life. Everything's practice, and it's just getting like getting experience and confidence up. And it's matter like how fast you can do it and how well you can do it as well. I've always liked the medical field in calling it a practice. <laughs> Honestly, great. Because like I, been, I appreciate the term now. I've, I've been like to it, many doctors. Yeah. I've been to. I don't want to say many. Many sounds like a lot. Let's say a handful of doctors where I've like walked out of the out of the experience and been like, "Man, they just prescribed me something." The conversation was really awkward. They sounded kind of insecure. I don't know if this is going to help me or hurt me. I feel the same way 
every day. And that's like, I, I base every, what I do every day on my personal experiences. I, I never want a patient to feel like they were rushed, not listened to. Yeah. And that they felt like they're questioning what I did. And, uh, I wasn't going to base it all on personal experiences. So I've had doctors I'm like, dude, really? Like that's what you said. And I Google it afterwards. It's all cool stuff after I'm like, eh, I don't know. That's like, like, I don't know. Like, I hate Dr. Google, but like, I don't know. That's the right thing. Like that makes sense to me. But, uh, yeah, I always want, I always treat my patients like how I would want to be treated as well. One of explain the stuff. coolest things I've adopted into my life philosophies now is no one knows what they're doing. And this is not necessarily word for word, so take this for what it is, people. No one knows what they're doing. They're all we're all just trying to get better. Mm-hmm. So like the greatest optometrist in BC that we're sitting across from right now. <laughs> Not that he doesn't know what he's doing. He knows a fuck ton of information and he is a scientist, in my opinion, on the eye. He knows a lot. But every day he's still getting better, right? So like we all make mistakes. I've made mistakes in real estate. You've probably made mistakes. Maybe just like, not necessarily mistakes. Mistakes sounds negative, right? Let's say mistakes in communication. Like I've left interaction sometimes and I... I like what my point of view was in that yeah. interaction, but I didn't present it well enough. Yeah. And so I'll leave and be like, I should have said it in this type of way versus this, whatever yeah. I said, right? So not necessarily like harmful mistake to someone's health. Yeah. Like like, you're responsible yeah. for it. Or harmful mistake in terms of someone's investment in my my uh, my line of work. But like <clears throat> more communication and like mm-hmm. how I can present things. And I'll walk, I'll walk away from interactions all the time and dissect them in my head as I'm driving home. Yeah. And so when I hear like medical practice, I value that term and I think it's a really cool term. Yeah. Because it just like it means you're getting better. It means you're getting better. Totally. Yeah. It's like That's we are a professional in this environment, and every day we're trying to strive to be better than we were yesterday. That is so awesome. I, I've never thought of it that way. That's what I think about it when I hear medical practice. That is one like, probably the best thing I've taken away from today is that <laughs> maybe that or the uh, Google review thing. I don't know. Which, they're both great things. I think I've benefited more than anyone else here. Because <laughs> like yeah. I think about in our business, yeah. when I'm 41, I'm 31 right now. When I'm 41, I'm going to know way more about real estate than I do right now. And I know a fuck ton about real estate. (laughs) But like, it's just a progression. Like it's a ladder, right? You just keep getting better. And If you want to keep getting better. Absolutely. That's that's the big thing is wanting to get better. And what I love about my my area is like, there's times when a patient comes in and I see a disease and, and like no disease shows the same in everyone, right? Like you'd think it'd be textbook, but because the human body is so different, Every disease shows differently in different people, right? So we totally. look. So I look at the cornea or the retina. I'm like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> I look at it like, look, this looks like this. It has this. And I try to break it down, and I have no, I, I have no fear in saying like, you know, there's a big anomaly in your retina. Uh, I'm gonna send you over to like the best retinal specialist or the best corneal specialist because I know I know all of them well now. Luckily, I'm, like, I'm gonna send you the best specialist. I have no problem saying like, I don't know what's going on. But they do. And that's, I think, what my patients like is like, I will get this person to look at it because they are the best mm. in this in the area. And they like that. I like that. I learn from it. And then if I ever see this like fucked up thing again, I'm like, cool. I've learned from it. 
And like sometimes like I had this one patient, which is like a rare one in probably 10 million disease. They came in. I looked at it. I'm like, yeah, I have no idea what's happening here. Sent her out to the best specialist. And he's like, oh, this is like Ascor. I'm like, I've never heard of that in a textbook. Had to Google it. I found this little article this big on it. I'm like, that is the most obscure disease I've ever heard about in life. And yeah, I was like, that's a learning experience. And that's why we practice to get better. Dude, man, it's so fun. Love that term. You learn Love shit it. every day. Yeah. Someone called me this afternoon at 4.30. Said, hey, my insurance, we, we complete tomorrow. Is one of our clients. They complete on a condo tomorrow. It's a leasehold land in North Van. My insurance broker just called us and said, hey, we, we're not going to insure this. And it's content insurance. Like It, it makes no sense. Oh. We're not going to insure this because it's leasehold land. What do we do? I'm like, I don't know. But I can call like five more insurance brokers for you. Like, <laughs> I don't know the answer. Yep. But I can I'll know people <laughs> who can find the answer for yep. you, right? Like, I'm not the insurance person. Same with like accounting and like GST and stuff. Yeah. On on new construction or like renovated homes. I don't know if you ever deal, you probably don't deal with this on your side, but like um what do they say? Significantly renovated homes, more than 75%. Hmm. Like, does GST apply? I don't know, but I can like help you find the answer. But I, th- I think people appreciate like if you don't know the answer, I've learned people appreciate you saying, hey, I don't know, versus BSing an answer, but I'll find you the answer. Uh-huh. And yeah. sometimes people, like, it, it doesn't have a lot where I'm like, I don't know the answer, but if I say I don't know the answer and I'll find you the answer, people appreciate that a lot more because you're actually going to more than more than anyone else would. Cause I could easily dismiss, you could easily dismiss the question and say, oh, go ask your your accountant. But yeah. the fact that you're willing to make the effort to make to find the answer, people appreciate that. Customer service. That's, so I've checked my phone three times tonight. Oh, okay, that's good. So the reason I've checked my phone three times is because of that insurance question. And I connected <laughs> him with another insurance broker. Well, I sent him two. One of them didn't answer the phone. The other one answered right away. But uh, now he said, we'll hopefully get that in the morning. Thank you for the help. Like that's literally, that's it. My my job is to solve problems. That's it. Yeah. It's like when you're playing yes. Sellers like a Tad, you're just trying to make the most deals, right? <laughs> Dude, the more people that are your friends, the better. <laughs> like we're 31 years old yeah. now. We've had 31 years to figure this out. Yeah. The more people that like you, the better. Yep. Right? Let's say you meet, what'd you say, 3,500 people a year? Yeah. If 3,500 people love you in 10 years from now, that 3,500 is going to be 35,000, hmm. right? Whereas if if it's half, it's probably more like 3,500. Mm-hmm. It's exponential. Yeah, That's what I'm trying to absolutely. Say. Like me, I love you. I know you are really, really good at what you do, which is, makes me super excited because I'm your buddy and I love seeing my friends be successful at what they love. I'm trying to send as many people as possible your way. Like I'm that guy that remember when I was talking about yelling at a dinner party about a realtor? I'm yelling about an optometrist. Someone's like, "Ah, oh, I need my eyes. I need a new prescription. I can't see out of these damn 
glasses. I'm like, I got the guy. I got the guy. <laughs> call me. Call me. Pick me. You know? I, like, I appreciate, not... appreciate it so much. <laughs> but because you're way better. Right? It's easy. If you were mediocre and you were like typical doctor, wear the tie. Hmm. Yeah. You need this uh, 0.75 on the red eye and uh, 1.75 on the, you know, like I would never say your name. Yeah. Because it's mediocre. But I love you. Appreciate and it. I think you're really, I think <laughs> it's super exciting for me. I don't know how else to explain it, but it's super exciting for me to see friends that are crushing what they are really passionate about. I really appreciate that. <laughs> what do you think of your industry as a whole? So there's 700. Yeah. And this is slightly selfish, let's say, because I have opinions about my industry. Yeah. I love some realtors and other realtors are interesting to work with. Yep. There's 700 optometrists in BC. What's the overall perception of the public? What's the overall feel from an insider in the industry? How do you stand out? So I, th I think about this a lot and I feel careful what I say here, but, uh, you don't need to be careful. I know. But uh, a lot of people think it's just glasses. And it's glasses is such a small part of what I do. Yeah. Like the, what we are is we're primary care providers. Anything eye care related, you come to us. I'll diagnose your prescription, but that's probably a third of my exam. I'll diagnose the eye health, <clears throat> the brain, like more or less the brain from like how the neurology, how the eye muscles are working, how your eye function is working. We look at, so much there, and a lot of, and then we, if anything's askew, I'll treat it or I'll refer out. And a lot of people think it's just glasses. And unfortunately, a lot of these like cheap practices, remember like Bailey Nelson, those places like that, they only try to hire people for glasses. And I remember like telling patients, I'm like, hey, like you have pretty significant glaucoma. I need to like get you started on treatment. They're like, oh, I'm fine. We'll just get you started on, like, I'll just, I'll just take the prescription and go. I'm like, you are losing your vision. You're going blind. But uh, it's hard because like we have a name for ourselves because we do so much disease prevention. We, we spend probably a million on equipment just to diagnose everything to the best level possible. But unfortunately, a lot of people think it's just eye health and the way the industry has been turning because of uh, um, online sales and um, people trying to try find the best bargain is they go to like the, the cheapest places like they're like the, unfortunately, the lens crafters or their Bailey Nelsons or the Ollie Quinns, like the places that do just eyes, just vision checks. Mm -hmm. And but there's so 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 much more than just vision checks. Yeah. Where it's like, I want to look at your nerve. I want to see every angle of your nerve. Make sure there's no damage there. I want to look at the entire peripheral retina. Make sure there's no holes, tears, and breaks. I want to look at every aspect of your eye health to make sure that when you walk out of here, that there's nothing that's gonna go wrong tomorrow. <laughs> And that's my biggest thing is like, I want my stamp of signature on that, on your eye chart saying like, Denny is healthy for all of tomorrow. <laughs> and that's my, that's my biggest thing for myself is like, I want to provide the best care. And unfortunately, a lot of people think it's just glasses. And a lot of people are, I love the industry, not the industry, but insurances and um, online retailers are moving it towards just glasses. But it's, that's a third of what we do. Two thirds is eye health. And that's the biggest thing for us. <laughs> Do you, so 
I know you've had a big role in your practice in the last, I love saying practice. Practice. I say practice. <laughs> You should have Alan Iverson. I was thinking that <laughs> as you're saying it. <laughs> I know you had a big role in your practice. You and what's your uh, buddy's name? Altez. Altez. Yeah. He's a. Be- I've met him one time. He's a beauty. Yeah, you did. You did actually. Yeah. I thought he was a very nice guy. Great guy. What I know you've had a big role in like management of the practice in the last couple of years. What. Of course, customer referrals are huge, but like, what do you guys are? Are you guys spending much time and effort, or are you just too busy? But are you spending much time and effort on like new customer acquisition? Yep. And uh, what? What? Like how? Once again, uh, Google reviews is one of our biggest things, and and we. How are you proactively getting those? Though? So a lot. So there's two things we're doing. So we there is a lot of companies that work on um, like like uh, Mailchimp is out there. Uh, there's optometry specific companies that work on our social media and things like that, and we signed up with one company who's doing our Google reviews, and they're not doing a great job. But luckily, we signed up with a different company, where essentially every patient gets a uh, so this is for Google reviews again. But they get a text message after the appointment, and this is like, hey, we'd love if you gave us the opinion on how your experience was today. Yeah, yeah, and it links them towards Google review, which is great. But uh, so we have. Um, our marketing people working on Instagram, Facebook, uh, social media in general. And then we also have uh, uh, our SEO working on, when you search optometrist North Vancouver, that is what they're looking at. And like we do spend quite a bit of money on that, but once again, people, people the fastest way you'll search anything is optometrist North Vancouver, optometrist uh, near me, or my eye hurts. And we want to be the first person that shows up for any of that, and I think search and engine op- optimization is the biggest, one of the biggest things for us as well. Because if we show up before everyone else, it it just adds um, validity to it. It's <laughs> wild. Yeah. <clears throat> Some I just googled Lynn Valley Optometry. Ooh, <laughs> you have eighty-seven Google reviews. Which yeah, that's is great. That's two more than yesterday. Is well it? done. Yeah, we had eighty-five two days ago. Nice. That's great. Four point five average. Yeah, it's pretty good. You can improve that. It can get better. The SEO stuff is huge, is unbelievably huge, and a lot of people don't understand it. One of which is me. Me too. <laughs> but I know that there's some really good web people out there, and like, if I told you how much money me and Jamie are planning to spend on the next twelve months of our uh, website SEO stuff, yeah. you wouldn't believe me. We but we, we just built a website. Unbelievably and, yeah. powerful. We yeah. so we just built a new website in the last. 24 months. Yeah. It took a long time, yep. way longer than it should have. But we have a new website that launched in May, maybe? Mm-hmm. April, May. And there's some things wrong with it. So we've found a, a company that I think is going to be really good for us that is mm-hmm. going to fix all that stuff and get us much higher. We've spent a lot of money and energy and time in ranking high in Google. And is unbelievably powerful. Absolutely. Cannot hear that anymore. It's like, I think I'm underestimating it, but I think it's probably 40% of our business. I would agree. Of our new business, maybe 60, to be honest. It's either walk by or Google. And we always ask patients on our welcome form, how did you hear about us? And it's either word of mouth, Google, or I'll walk past you guys. 
And like, there's no one says Bing. No one says anything else. So we're good. Bing. Is that still around, Carl? I don't know. <laughs> the hell's Bing? You're the first surgeon on Bing. <laughs> one patient every year. I don't know. I don't know about that patient, but yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. What, um, Long-term goals for Dr. Sodi. Ah. Well, uh, what does that look like? Because this is really exciting to me. Remember I, I announced that I love seeing my friends being successful in like things that they're enjoying. Yeah. So, And I have a few. Mm-hmm. You're definitely in that category. But it seems like you have some big goals that are fairly close. And I'm pumped about it. But like, what does that look like in the autometry world? Yeah, so it, it is difficult because with our industry, uh, you know, for, for you to start up, you don't need a lot of capital to begin with. And you could you get your license and then you get some sign, like you need some stuff, but you, you don't have a huge amount in initial investment. We talked about that earlier. But you know the reason I got into real estate? Yeah. Is because I want it to be an industry that I did like like architecture and some types of real estate and stuff like that. But the big thing for me was I wanted to be in an industry where the harder I work, the more money I yeah. could make versus making 60, 80, 100 grand a year salary. And whether I showed up 20% of the time or 150% of the time, it mm-hmm. didn't matter. Yeah, I, I actually and real estate that. with that. And, but the second thing, so one was like, Harder I work, better upside potential I have. Two was low barrier to entry. Because <laughs> yeah. when I got into real estate, I did not have any money. <laughs> like I think I had like eight or nine thousand dollars in my bank account, yeah. and that dwindled fast. But <laughs> I didn't have like I don't know what's a optometry practice worth that is doing really well. well Three like million bucks. Our like, degree alone. I have much money. Our degree alone is like a quarter million dollars for the degree. Exactly. And that's totally. a whole steel loan world there that we want totally. <laughs> I'll discuss later. But to get into it, it's a quarter million, like roughly. And then from there you're making a salary. But then to get to a practice, there's there's multiple ways to do it. And for myself, uh, I was lucky that I got into a practice that's one of the bigger practices in North Vancouver. But as the average optometrist, you, you start working for a practice, then either you have to cold start your own practice, which is difficult because you really open a building and your first patients are your friends and family. And then you're slowly trying to build patients up. Whereas with us, it's a whole different world. It's I'm, I watched in a practice where uh, partnership was on the table pretty much within a few months. And uh, it, it's probably one of the bigger practices and one of the top 10 to 15 independent practices in BC, let's say. And uh, partnership was on the table right away. Well, pretty quickly after I kind of, Prove my worth, and then I've been building towards that for the last two years, and that's very imminent. It's on, on the on the forefront, and now it's interesting because with optometry practices, the biggest thing is our entry is very high as well. Just like our degrees, our entry to the practice is high because we have machines like we have a camera that was one hundred fifty thousand dollars that images the entire back of the eye. Best piece of machinery we have. That's hundred fifty thousand, and that's just one of like twenty machines we have. Most are like ten to fifteen thousand, but each of these machines costs a lot of money. We have probably seven hundred thousand in inventory and frames, and all of that is a cost you have to account for buying to the practice. Totally. If you're a knee specialist that's just seeing patients, 
you're just buying the exam room because most of the knowledge is in your brain. Knowledge is in your brain too, but I need a lot of equipment and I need a lot of, uh, because we have the sales aspect too, you know, inventory. So for us, there's a big uh, buy-in portion and it's difficult because we have to factor that into our loans and I'm buying to practice. And it's like, well, will the revenue I generate cover the loans plus my extravagant lifestyle? <laughs> and that's what it comes down to. And for me, the biggest thing is buying a practice is one thing, but also building on that, okay, this practice from level five to level 10. And then can I get, in my personal opinion, more practices and grow bigger and bigger? Because I don't want to stop at one practice. I don't want to stop at three. I want to go bigger and bigger and then sell it all when I'm ready to retire. So the yeah. like, then travel the world. <laughs> let's say you build a big brand. Yep. Navs Eats is going to be the blog. Yeah. Navs Eyes is going to be the practice. Yeah. <laughs> How does it go from one to like three, four, five? Does it go? Because I see two options. One is you, let's say, purchase the practice that you're yep. running now. Or that you're managing now, and you get into new commercial spaces, yep. into other areas, or do you purchase other practices around Greater Vancouver and just make them better because you're a better SEO, you're better at service, you're better at like technology, you're better at staffing, you're better at all that stuff. So I blew the second way entirely. So. Okay. Uh, I don't like cold starting in general. I think it's better to buy a practice that's not doing well. And there's a lot of just optical, no doctor in there. Uh, the tough thing for us is I've looked at this so many times. We're called Lynn Valley Optometry. It's not scalable. It's specific. Yeah. And I, I think that in our industry and, and maybe in yours, well, yours is a little different, but uh, it's nice to be, uh, for one practice, it's nice to be tied to the area because people feel a little bit of commitment to it. So if you were called, let's say, well, for us, if we're called New West Optometry, we're like, oh, New West Optometry feels local home. But if you're called like Oasis Optometry, it's just a broad name. Like you can actually spread that over multiple clinics and actually build that that name up more. What did you say? Uh, let's say you called Oasis Optometry. It's a very broad okay. name, but I can build that brand name up more. Whereas Lynn Valley Optometry, I can only build up in Lynn Valley. Let's say open up a Lynn Valley Optometry in New West. That's weird. That's just weird. There's no relation or bearing. So how I would do it is, personally, is I would uh, purchase up practices. Let's say there's a practice let's say the practice down the street that's uh, not doing so well. I would use exactly what I've done with, my, with our practice in, in Lynn Valley and use the same um, emphasis on customer service, emphasis on the experience, emphasis on... Uh, just a quality of products and quality of what we offer and let the product and brand speak for itself. Even though it's a different brand, it's kind of still tied with our clinic and then building it from there. I believe so much in brand, like brand recognition. But it's, it's tough because like... But, yeah. so let's say you use your example of Oasis. Yeah. Why not Oasis Lynn Valley, Oasis New West, Oasis that, That's Oasis I was just about whatever. to say that. Because like, what, what if you tie a name in with a location? Because then you're, you're really nice there. Because brand recognition is huge, I think. I think, And for like online purposes, yep. when you're having multiple things under the same name, under the same brand, I think it's easier to grow at scale than like starting from scratch and saying like, whatever. John Smith Optometry, 
and like Lynn Valley optometry yeah. and whatever. And I agree because you, you could have all this, but you should have an umbrella that's all under. And I think that is where it, it is very, very nice. And like some of my uh, colleagues have done that with like image optometry. They've named them all image. There's 20, yeah. all, what they, their plan was, was they bought um, practices that weren't doing very well and they created a budget model on that. And FYI is a huge group of 200 practices, but they just bought out the owners and said, you're an owner in this company and they bought given shares in this company. That, that's been happening, but there's not much happening in the private equity space in Canada, which is happening a lot in the States, which is what I would like to be into is more private equity. And that's everywhere in the States. Canada has been a little slow on that. I think there's a big opportunity there. Explain that. Uh, so essentially it's... What's the difference? So right now, I own a practice, you own a practice, he owns a practice. Yeah. Now, what if I was to offer you a certain portion of money to say, okay, like, you know, you can own the practice, but we'll own it with you and we'll implement our strategy. So Denny, give, Denny, give me half your practice. Carl, give me half your practice. You're still part owners, but my, my strategy is working very well. Let's implement NAV strategy into your practices. You're still the owner, but it's our strategy. You're now free from all this crap <laughs> And we'll run it for you, and then you'll whatever equity we build with it, you'll get a part of it as well, moving forward. And private equity is buying these practices, then we can ideally, I think the best, my personal, my personal idea is you should always have an exit strategy, get 10, 12 practices, do a private equity. So that's what you like. And then sell them, package them up and sell them to like a lens. But, so this is my rebuttal at 60. to that. Yeah, at 60. Let's say Dr. John Smith is not doing well. Yeah. He's been an optometrist for 60 years. He's been floating around 1.5 million in revenue, which is not great for a good location in optometry. You think you could double, triple that business in the next five years? I'd buy him out completely at that point. I would buy him out completely and say, give me your practice. You can work for us as an employee, but I will buy that sort of thing. That's what I would prefer to do is buy the entire practice out personally. Because I, I like to just own three or four. So this is where I see value. Is let's say you use your Oasis. I is that a real company? Oasis? Uh, I just thought it sounded really wet. So I'm like, that sounds like eyes. It sounded really wet. It sounded really wet. <laughs> eyes are wet. Oasis. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. It seems like right. it's eye. We're gonna use the wet brand of Oasis. It's and... a content lens company that makes a difference. But yeah. Oh, I knew that. Yeah. I didn't know that. I knew it sounded something with the eyes. That's why I was like, is this a real brand? Yeah, it's now? the first yeah. that came to mind. All right. Oasis, <laughs> Oasis Optometry. If you create a website that is oasisoptometry.com. Yeah. And then you have like sections of the website that is like Lynn Valley staff or like who Lynn Valley optometrists. Yep. Burnaby optometrists, North Van optometrists, whatever. The I think the SEO power, the power of being like a, a powerful yeah. website that connects to multiple areas just builds the long-term brand yep. better rather than starting six different brands. Yep, and that's what I agree. I agree with that entirely is you should have that name. And there's practices that are doing that. Uh, they'll buy a second location, they'll call it like Oasis 2. <laughs> but yeah. you know what I mean? Like that's happening right now, but... I want to do it on a larger scale because I think there's a lot of benefit there and then packages sell it. Is anyone doing it well right now? BC, well, Image has done it really well with 20 practices. Uh, Iris is a little different because they're more of a corporate structure, but they've done it well. Um, 
and those were the two biggest ones, but they, they're also, no one's doing it at a high-end level because that's much more expensive. And I was talking to a friend about this recently, and there's different ways to do it. Like, Do you have satellite clinics or do you buy a clinic and amalgamate that into your own practice? And we discussed, like, are people willing to travel 10 minutes to come to your clinic? And we were actually discussing this exact conversation yesterday or three days ago, and I was like, yeah, like, to, to a certain level. I think within 15 minutes, people will travel. Outside 15 minutes, you have to build a satellite clinic there. Is anyone doing social media well in optometry? Because this is what I think. The, listen to my point of view here. I would travel an hour and a half to see Nav, Sodi. <laughs> I don't give a shit. Like, I'll put winter tires in my car. I'll drive to Whistler and Pemberton to see Nav, Sodi. But I don't like. I don't follow optometrists on social media, so I don't know the space as well as you may, because a lot of your buddies yeah. are optometrists. But like, is anyone doing that really well? There are a few that are doing it are doing it pretty well. Uh, and what are they doing? So one of my friends, um, our beer, he, he is a great Instagram page, for example, and he he's on like the news stuff news as well. But he does really good segments that are informative. He's created a little character called uh, Doctor Einstein or something, where it's like him talking to himself in double video, which is cool as fuck, always, right? He's an optometrist. Yeah, and like okay. it's him talking to himself, and one guy's wearing a lab coat as Doctor Einstein. Like he's talking to himself <laughs> in these videos. And it's just like those two, three minute segments about like eye diseases. I think he does a very good job of Instagram in, in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's great. He's over in Surrey. And then there's um, some people that do more of the fashion side, which is which is good for like the optical and for glasses. But those are more like like Bailey Nelson, for example, does very, very good Instagram because of their optical side. Okay. People think it's fun. People think it's fresh and like their material is very good. Uh, but some are doing it well in the States. Many are doing it well because it's much bigger population. But in BC, there's a few that are doing it pretty well, but not enough. And I, I'm not a big Instagrammer, as you know. Like I'm a terrible Instagrammer. I tried to get into it, uh, and I just gave up pretty quick. So I'm like, it's not me. <laughs> I'm really bad at Instagram. But I think uh, I think we want to keep hiring someone to build up Instagram. Some of our friends have like ten, twenty thousand people following them, and I was like, that's crazy. But don't you believe that you're the brand? Uh, it's interesting because you mentioned that because we, we talked about this as well and uh, me and Altaz were talking about this and he always said he tried to build up the practice, not himself because my goal and his goal right now is he works three days a week and he's starting to dwindle it down but the practice is just as busy because my goal is to work less, manage more and I don't want to I don't want to see every patient and that's what he's doing well is we, they're coming for the practice, not for him. Some, some come for him, but it's the fact that you can, the, the practice is known for that level of service, that whoever you see will be that level of service. And that's what he got through me is I'm continuing on his level of service. So I can build my own brand, but I want to hire six more doctors. So I need to build up the practice, I guess. But then they come into the brand. They're like, so the, so the brand, the brand has to yeah. start from somewhere. Sorry, right? yeah. The question was, was the brand me or was the brand the practice? And that's, I think the, building the practice up versus me as an individual is probably well for us at this point is better because our, our brand like I'm already fully booked every day so I can't handle more so now at this point let's build the practice up totally yeah but in terms of like online presence let's say based on what you've told me so far your specific optometrist office is subpar in oh, terms yeah. of social oh, yeah. media yeah totally social media 
So to build the social media, it can't be like, let's say I hire Jen yep. Jones, whoever, to like post a photo yep. once a day. No, not. It's not the same as like Nav so Dr. Yeah. Nav Sodi being like, hey, you know, my buddy just came in, Denny, here's a photo of his eye. He has this stupid no, eye. You're absolutely right. That is what the eye infection, like super common right now. Yeah. Anyone that has this infection, like we just treated it. Here's the prescription. Hmm. We're going to totally help you out. Just come see us. No, that, no you're right. I, I, uh, you're absolutely right there, actually. It doesn't yeah. mean that you have to be the doctor that is in front of every patient. Yeah. It just means that you are more the informative, huh. like section. How much am I learning that. today? This is great. So much. Who's right? learning here? You or me? I'm learning here. Dude, <laughs> this, is every, great. this is what a podcast is for. Is we're yeah, all learning. That's interesting. Yeah, that, that's a very good way to put it because uh, that actually they, they need something to tie it into. Otherwise, it's just uh, it's just a generic photo, generic. No, there's no tie into it. That's interesting. You're actually it's, personalizing everything, or any personality everything you're doing. Huh. It's it's the same as the in person like the communication, right? Yeah. So like when someone's sitting in a chair, you're not just showing them a photo, being like, "Well, like, here's what I googled. <laughs> you know, it looks looks pretty similar to your eye." No, I, I I'm not sure. I'm like, Google told yeah. me I should prescribe you this. It's huh. more like, what's your experience? Okay, you're in the film industry. You need to see long inch, yeah. like whatever, whatever, whatever. Okay, you need progressives. This is what I think is going to work really well for you. Whatever, whatever. Personal. Huh. Personal contact, right? Yeah. Versus like those Instagram videos that like I try to post on social media, real estate related, is more like sharing information, right? Mm -hmm. So like what's really hot right now? For April, May, June, I tried to be like, what is changing in real estate due to COVID? Right. Right? Open houses, gone. Then they came back in July. Yeah. Like, so as soon as they came back, this is how open houses are going to look. If you're shopping right now, make sure you bring a mask. There's going to be hand sanitizer there. Like, if realtors are doing open houses, there's going to be two people, uh, two groups, max inside the property at a time. Be a little bit patient. There's going to be a waiting list. There's going to be a wait line, whatever, whatever. Interest rates are dropping like crazy. If you are in the process of purchasing the home, Get pre-approved. Your pre-approval rate is not going to be what your rate is because rates are dropping. Like just like mm. sharing information. You know so much shit about eyes. That, that's so true. Like I, if you I, just I, do a thirty-second clip every morning yeah. about like eye shit, that people like wake up in the morning and be like, "Oh, my eyes super red." Ah, it's fine. I'll just I'll I'll deal with it. Whereas if they like looked at your Instagram and huh. be like, "Oh, that's exactly what my eye looks like." Oh shit! I need an antibiotic for that. I should go see now. No, yeah. I, mean, I think about now. That is like the smartest thing I've heard. <laughs> that is amazing. Like, yeah, it, I guess it is. It's just information. Once again, it's information, information. People love information, and that's what does well on Instagram right now. So, because Instagram is flooded, right? Yeah. But what does well? Butts, I don't know. I just see bottles. <laughs> it does butts. Butts does well. Yeah, butts does real well. If you're a woman, and you have a nice butt. You're doing well. Yeah, hundred, two hundred million followers. Yeah. You can advertise grape juice. You can advertise bikinis, whatever. You're winning. Two, <laughs> being the knowledgeable person in your space, yep. right? Whatever it is, entrepreneurship, optometry, real estate. If you are a 
knowledgeable expert in your neighborhood or like little window of expertise, optometry, hmm. it's winning. That's what people like, they'll Google top optometrist or like optometry information, eye information. And like the more shit you're putting out, the higher you're ranking in that in that those searches. That's, that's so true. I, I never thought about that way. Well, once again, I am not an Instagrammer, as you know, but that's a that is a very interesting. Well, how do you envision Instagram? Like, what is Instagram to you? You know, because uh, I think it's different to me than what it is to a lot of people our age. Interesting, because I I've saw everything. Like I saw your your uh, realty practice from. <laughs> From like you know the early stages when you were just posting to where it is now, and I, and you your practice your realty business grew practice your realty business grew so we're getting better yeah your realty your realty practice <laughs> grew so much because of your Instagram and I think that was a big factor for yourself and uh, the way I use Instagram which is me is uh, travel pics food mm. stupid. And, so you're using uh, it as a self blog. Self blog, hundred percent. And like I post, the last post was probably four months ago. So this is yeah. this is how I think of Instagram. To date, to 2020, October 29th, whatever it is, 2020 it is the greatest marketing tool of all time. Mm-hmm. That's all better than SEO with Google. I would currently say yes. Hmm. Google SEO five years ago better. Huh. Instagram today, much better. For the age group though, of 20 to 50 probably. But you're a 31-year-old optometrist that's going to be in optometry for the next 30 years. Very true, very true. Right? 40. So like <laughs> 40? Yeah, right, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. like I'm the same, man. Yeah. Like, I'm going to be working until I'm dead. Yeah, until their brain doesn't work anymore, I'm working. Whether I die at 71 yeah. or 117. I'm working two days a week, I'm working matter. though. Yeah, but go ahead, sorry. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I'm going to be involved. Yeah. I'm going to be answering phone calls or whatever, right? So that's what I think. I think long-term... I think um, like 31 in Greater Vancouver is probably the age group where people are buying and selling their, maybe selling their first one bedroom condo and upsizing or Or they're getting married or like whatever (laughs) it is. But like typical demographic, maybe they're having a kid now, then maybe they're getting married, they're upsizing. And like, how do you be the person that they think is the most knowledgeable person in that space whenever they're thinking about that thing. Hmm. Yeah. For that age group, absolutely. Right? So like personality is so important. Like people think Dr. Oz is knowledgeable, which like, you know, he may not be, but he's on TV. And TV is like, you know, like another, like old Instagram more or less, right? It's like if there's, there's all this like Dr. Pimple Popper. If I had Pimple, I'd see Dr. Pimple Popper. She's on Instagram everywhere. That's interesting. Interesting bad. <laughs> if I need glasses, if I have an eye problem, if I have a fucking massive crater in my eye like I did in June, where am I going? I'm going to Dr. Navsodi. That's all I'm doing. Hmm. I'm not Googling. I, I know that Nav is the guy to go to because I've been watching on Instagram for seven years or whatever, right? Huh. It's so, honestly, Nav, it's so powerful. It's so crazy. That's such an issue. Like, I never looked at Instagram that way just because. It's it's dude, all, it's the all most I, powerful marketing tool of all time. All I use Instagram for is butts, to be honest. Bots? <laughs> butts. 
But, yeah. But. That's what you said. There's two reasons for it. <laughs> and that's what I use it for. So I guess I was using it for the wrong thing entirely. Because there's so much more to Instagram than Personal butts. use, but. Professional use, it's so powerful, man. Huh. <laughs> Have you ever run an Instagram ad? Uh, one or two, but not well. And I know my, my colleagues have, and I've clicked on them. And, I, and don't get me wrong, I, I buy things on Instagram ads all the time, so they're clearly working. Because this is what I think. If, let's say, this I thing you said, and I don't know the data behind this, but I'm using your quote. It, this was 10 times more common than it was pre-COVID because of masks. Yeah. And back, like you're breathing out bacteria, it's going up into your eye. Makes sense to me as an uneducated consumer. If you run some sort of random ad to Greater Vancouver, yeah. even spend 300 bucks, you'd hit probably 50,000 people, maybe more. And let's say three of them are like, fuck yeah, I have a fucking pimple in my eye, I need some help. Yeah. And they come to your clinic, they're probably spending a few hundred bucks each yep. at least. So a $300 ad adds like... 1200 revenue, let's say. So boom. Yeah. Like that seems low to me. Yep. Uh, Compared to your numbers of 10 times the amount of eye yep, infections. Right? Absolutely. It's, it's wild. I'm pretty pro social media in terms of like... You gave me there. You gave me market, there right now. Market your business, man. Yeah. And it doesn't cost you much to run your, run your own Instagram. Like you run your own uh, Instagram. And it, it costs you time, that's it. But yeah, but it's like... I have nothing but time, right? So, yeah. like, and you're in charge of it. Yeah, is the cool thing. So, like, you can set up posts. You can like, and it doesn't have to be. What I'm learning is my style, and my style is not professional, mm-hmm. and I'm totally okay with that. Like, my style is a selfie video as I'm walking down the street wearing a backwards hat. Yeah, that's who I am. It is what it is. Maybe as a doctor. You're not wearing a backwards hat. <laughs> Maybe it's slightly more professional, but like it's the like the value is in the information. Mm-hmm. That's true, and for us, it, it especially, it's more in the knowledge and information than anything else. Huge on Instagram. I love it, man. We should wrap up. Should I get, get some pee food. So bad. Let's go get some food. <laughs> Thanks for coming, man. Danny, thank you so much for having me. This has been informative for me like so much. This is what the podcast is all about, man. It, it, Connecting with sweet people yeah. that are crushing it. Hashtag crushing it, Carl. Let's put that under Nav's website <laughs> and his new crazy popular Instagram page. Well, find a good name for it. Maybe like... Nav with the eyes. I'll find a better name than that. I'll find a much better name than that. So anyone that's listening to this knows that you are the best optometrist in BC. I try. Where can they find you? Uh, Lynn Valley Optometry. It's Nav Sodi at Lynn Valley Optometry. My email, Dr. Sodi at Lynn Valley Optometry. (laughs) And for any of you like me that have perfect eyes, you can also get some sweet Sunny's there. Also, like, even though vision is good, you can still have eye diseases. Like <laughs> I find tumors in eyes, and like there's been times where like they're like, oh, vision's perfect. I'm like, there's a big ass tumor right there. And then they get the eye taken out. So, well, that's a pretty pessimistic it's not just vision. Way to end it's, this podcast, like I said, one third is eye vision, two thirds is eye health. <laughs> there you go. Hashtag eye health. Boom. Thanks for 
Thank you, Daddy. 